here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? Just thinking about this match, and I'm standing and pacing in my bed. He's just Mikazi now. He's not okay, so so Mikazi. He's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a, a boy. He's a man. He's a man. Man Mikazi. Are you ready? He got PWS superstar by him. In go Bernalis. In or Nobles. In go Nobles. You're missing a B there, but that's There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Oh, you're having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Give me a I want to. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome back to the best wrestling podcast in the world, the Voices Wrestling flagship podcast. I, of course, am the most compelling voice in wrestling media, Joe Lanza. And look at this. I'm actually joined by Rich Cranch this week. Hey. Hi. This guy's been gone forever. <laughs> and you didn't think I was ever coming back. I actually, I, I contemplated never coming back, but you know, there was some, there was a tenuous forty-eight hours there <laughs> when we were all a little unsure whether Krejci was just. See, people may not know this, but all of the voices of wrestling funds are tied up in Rich Krejci's name. So we all the many many funds, those, of course, that we have. The millions of dollars are tied up in Rich's name. So there was a tenuous forty-eight hours there where we thought he was like, you know what, fuck this. This site is a pain in my ass. I'm I'm stealing the millions of dollars, and I'm hightailing it out of here. Me and the nurse are gonna we're gonna go live on the beach 
and sell uh, shell necklaces to get by and sleep under the boardwalk, and I'm leaving it all behind. That sounds, I should have done that. That sounds a lot better than this whole thing that I'm doing, but yeah. De- depending what beach you're talking about, that's not a bad luck. No, that's really not. Yeah, that's... If you're in Hawaii or something and you're just like selling like shell necklaces to like tourists and you're just hanging out on the beach all day and you know, that's that's not a bad little life. Wouldn't I be outed pretty quickly though in uh, Hawaii? Uh, are you pale? Uh, it, it depends. I mean, I, I tan pretty okay. Um, I burn instantly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say, I, I, I can get pretty tan. But it's the, the brown hair won't probably wouldn't help much, but you can dye that. You know, it's not a big deal. You know, get the Aztec tattoos, get like the Roman Reigns sleeve, and then then they won't know. Ah, uh, yeah, oh, Jesus God, you're you're gonna go all out with the uh, with the tribal tattoos. <laughs> you gotta right, isn't it? You're not a man with any tattoos, correct? I uh, zero, and I would probably never get one. So yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm not a tattoo guy. Um, I'm very image conscious, and I'm worried about what people are gonna think about me when I'm like sixty. I don't want to be walking around with like tattoos all over my body when I'm sixty. Yeah, I bring you know that up I mean? all the time when you got guys now like because you'll see people all the time now that they're like head to toe. You, you know what I mean? Or they, their entire arms, their entire legs. And I'm like, dude, you got to be seventy at some point. You know that? Like that's gonna be old, wrinkly, disgusting. Because like old people with tattoos is disgusting. You, you know? Like you see your uncle has one, and it's like some terrible like you know navy one or something like that, and it just looks like absolute garbage when he's like sixty or seventy, and it's like these people that your whole leg and your whole arm like that you kind of you're gonna be wrinkly and like disgusting at a point, right? Like it's it's you're burying old people, which I don't really have a problem with. One of my biggest fears, along with death, is old people's skin. I'm very scared of old people's skin. <laughs> now, how do you get like, scared of that? Like uh, of it's, touching it's, it, of seeing it, of of it's a legit phobia. Like I I. I don't like touching my like. Well, I never knew my grandfathers. I was too young when they died. But my grandmothers, I never liked them touching me. Like old people's skin hmm. just freaks me out for whatever reason. And you combine that with like tattoos that they got in 1939. You know what I mean? Like it. You're right. It's a very weird dynamic. So I don't really have a problem with you burying the old people here. But Rich, something else is getting buried here. You're burying the lead, and I'm not going to let you off the hook. And I want you to just stay quiet for a couple of minutes because as people know, you've been gone for a couple of weeks and I think everyone knows why you've been gone. So it, the fact of the matter is it, it, some things are bigger than wrestling and I do feel like this needs to be uh, addressed and I feel like uh, you, know, you, you should give me the first opportunity. We've been doing this show for four years and when we started doing this show four years ago, you were the swinging bachelor in, in your bachelor pad in Chicago. <laughs> Uh, having you were having people over, you know, in the walking boot, bringing over mysterious bags. That was your life. My life was the domesticated, engaged life. And oh, how things switched around <laughs> in those four years. I mean, wait, you literally not- actually you no. Know, now that I think about this, it's actually not not to interrupt you, but you were so you were engaged and had two dogs, correct? Yes, I lived that life for the past like year and a half. Your it, exact it, it life totally <laughs> turned on its head. You were the swinging bachelor living on your own, having girls come over with mystery bags, right? Like that happened to you. I, I had sex swing girl, yeah, sex swing girl. Remember? That's right. Yeah, I was engaged with the two dogs, living the domestic life, very happy. Uh, no, you know, the, 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 see, p- people who were new to the show, they might this this newfound wild man Joe Lanza didn't exist four years ago. I'm a loyal man in a relationship. It's true. I had to beg you of when you were available. Like Joe, hey, can you do a podcast today? Ah, I don't know. Yeah, and now it's me. That's like, ah, let me see her work schedule for the next two months. Like, to make sure she's not home on this day. We have to record. So. 
But when Joe's single, he's completely out of his mind. You know, it's just I, I lived that single life. But it was reversed. Then things sort of, I don't know what happened. We either were in some terrible direct-to-DVD comedy movie where we both – you know, touched an Aztec fucking uh, statue or something, and our lives switched. And you and, and I ended up the swinging bachelor. You ended up the domesticated person. And now I feel like, you know, everyone knows why you've been gone. I feel like uh, it's it's only right that I addressed it. I didn't I didn't talk about this the two weeks that I don't know if you listened to my solo show. Oh I'm hell sure no, God no, both of them. Dear God I'm no, sure you listened to both of them dozens of times <laughs> because they're just such fine masterpieces. But uh, I did not address it on either of the solo shows because I wanted to address it with you, my friend, because I feel like uh, you know this needed to be something where we were both on the air to talk about it. Some things are just bigger than wrestling. So Rich, I want to say to you on the air in front of our thousands of listeners, I want to give you the first opportunity to congratulate me on my Voices of Wrestling Fantasy Basketball Championship. That, yeah, I, I did notice that was going on. It was big news. It was a big deal. Yeah, what, what your team name? It was a good name, right? Uh, swipe right. Okay, yeah. And that, 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 um, so who, who was the squad? Who'd you have? Let's, let's talk. Well, I had Steph Curry. So well, that helps, yeah. What else do you need? Because, I mean, you're going to wrap up three points, you know, three-point baskets. And, and points uh, pretty free, well easily. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And points. I mean, three categories are in the bag every week. You know what I'm saying? So uh, so go ahead, Rich. You can no, well, congratulations. Your accolades no. my way uh, because I think congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. Four years, you know, four years in the making there. Who, who was your, uh, your toughest competition in that league so we can shame them? <laughs> well, you know. Who was still looking at the league by the time the league was over? Much like the Voices of Wrestling staff, where I don't know who half the people are, I don't even know who half the people were who own these teams. So uh, I don't know. All I know is, you know, Dylan Harris, you're familiar with him, yep. Pearl Spirit. Yeah, he ran the league. He got buried. He was in my division and finished in last place. So uh, I, I buried him nice and quickly. Mikey Falcone got buried quickly. Oh. Took care of business well, he, he drafted all 76ers, uh, and that was his downfall. But it's all right. Of course. I mean, you know, Hollis Thompson <laughs> can only take you so far. So, you know, that, that was the end of him. And, uh, you know, I don't even know the dude who I beat in the finals, but he, he, he had the best regular season record. But look, it's the postseason that counts, Rich. I am the Voice Wrestling Fantasy Basketball Champion, and since uh, you know we weren't together for that monumental event, I, I felt it was only necessary to bring that up. Yeah, well, I, I, I had been waiting to. I, I, you know, I saw it on my Twitter feed. I saw you bragging about it, and I was going to send you a text, and I was like, you know what? Joe's got bigger and better things to do. He's busy. You know, I, I'm not going to interrupt him during this busy moment. And during the the, the, the moments of glee as well, because that's the that's the you know just what'd you do? Did you hit the town? Did you what champagne? What what was on the? Yeah, we had because I know you don't drink, so did you just like. Spray it on your dogs and then sort of walk away, or we pop the sparkling cider. And we okay, I'll cider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my seventh fantasy championship. Overall. <laughs> Not se- that you're counting. S- Not that I'm my, counting. My, my second basketball championship and seventh overall. So, uh, you know, we had a little celebration over here. I am a fantasy maven, as you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so we celebrate. But listen, Rich, enough about me. Has anything been going on with you? I mean, um, doing the last two weeks. Last two weeks, uh, I went on vacation uh, to a beach. Um. Yeah, that's that. That about sums it up. I got a ring. 
<laughs> that was kind of cool. And, and contemplated never coming back. Yeah, you know, I, I really honestly didn't. No, it, it seriously was because so obviously I got married, as people are saying. So uh, as you're sort of dancing around. So we got married on a beach. We just a super small ceremony uh, for that week. And the reason I wasn't like listening to anything, I, I basically threw my phone away for the entire week because I was like, no, no, no. Because we bought we rented like a beach house, beach mansion. Like, this thing was ridiculous. It was so gigantic. It had like seven rooms, a rooftop bar. But like there was I, I basically we walked in. I threw my phone down and I was like, I'm not using this thing for a second i'm just gonna sit on this deck and watch the beach and then hang out at the beach and just hang out in this house so yeah that was basically it so it was mostly like you know the wedding was like almost the smallest part of the entire thing because it was just so much fun to just be in that house and we invited a bunch of our friends uh to come over and stay with us there uh my parents came down her parents came down her grandma who lives down there uh in charleston south carolina which the land of dylan hales uh, by the way which he didn't he didn't show up though he said he was gonna crash it but he ended up not doing that so that was uh, i think he was gone or he said he was gone but we'll see but uh, yeah, no, so it was pretty incredible. And then, yes, yeah, Saturday, uh, last uh, two Saturdays now, I, I got married to the nurse. So I, I think we should, I, I was actually curious, and, and she mentioned this as well, which is a horrible <laughs> thing. She says, are you guys going to still call me the nurse, or do I get a new name now that I'm your wife? So This is interesting, you know. She brought this up. It wasn't on Saturday. She brought it up on, like, Sunday, to be fair. It wasn't, like, after we got married. She's like, hey, by the way, what are you going to call me on your podcast now? I would love, listen, if on the altar she brought that up, what, what she was going to be referred to as on the on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast, that would have been something else. Uh, in all seriousness, of course, I have to be a goofball and turn it into a bit, but congratulations. Oh, thank you. This is monumental news, and uh, and I'm happy for the two of you, and you're both great people, and I and I think that this will uh, this will work out, and I can't wait for you to spit out about a million babies. No, not so. happening. It's going to be a so, long, long time. I don't like so, kids. <laughs> I don't like, I like old people kids or kids. Either. Like I like everything in between, but old people and kids, man. Like I've never held a kid either. Like like full disclosure, like people have been like, you know, hand you their child. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't give me that thing. Like I'm gonna drop it. I'm gonna kill it. Like don't. No, no, no. And like maybe it'll be better when it's my own. But like I have no like. I like playing like when they're like eight. I like like you know when you have little cousins or whatever. I'll you know I'll play in a pool and power bomb them off. The, you know and, and and do that. But then like after an hour, I'm ready to go and then just hand them off to their parents and then I go do my own thing. You, you know the whole like having a child thing. I I don't know. It's, it might be a while till that this, happens. But. This can make for tremendous radio. I think um, I think you need to get that that the wife. Is it going to be the wife or the nurse? Uh, I, I say stick with the nurse. I'm sticking with the nurse as well because the wife's too. You know, she's more than that. She's she's a you know she's out there right now. You know, I'm sitting here yapping on with you. She's out there saving lives. So you know what? Call her the nurse. Oh, for Christ's sake! You know she's not going to listen to this, Rich. You know, yeah. You know. You'd be shocked at how much of this show she actually listens to. Oh well, you know that's usually like the first half hour, like on her ride home from work. If like every other podcast is up, she'll be like, like there was one time I, I, I she called me and I heard your voice in the background. I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? Like, and then it was, it was a turn of events. Yeah, I was like, uh, is that Joe in the background? She's like, oh yeah, I'm listening to your podcast. I was like, oh okay. Wait, did Lance? Did Lance fly in by surprise here? <laughs> to, uh... To spend the week? Is he going to AEW with us? What's happening here? Um, but yeah, so yeah, maybe I should arrange a secret visit via, through the nurse. That would trip you out. Um, it, there was that time where I got stuck on a layover in Chicago, remember? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the thought crossed our minds. Well, shit, I'm stuck here. It's snowing. Uh, I can't get on this plane. But the thing is, I love airport terminals so much that I just <laughs> nobody. How how do you like for how long though? Like my my for like an hour, I'm good with them, and then I get kind of sick of them. But I think my dream is to get stuck in an airport Jesus. terminal for like a week, like Tom, like Ric Flair and Tom <laughs> Hanks. 
Um, I, I think <laughs> I find it just so interesting. It, like I, when I get a flight delay, or like what do you do delay, though? I, I get excited. I get giddy. They give you that little voucher for the free meal. Uh, they give you like a twelve dollar and fifty cent voucher for a free meal. So and you, you know, and, and everything's overpriced in the terminal. So it's like a little challenge to go find yourself a meal. Then you get the people watch. Then you get to text and call everybody you know and complain about your flight delay. And it's just it's fantastic. I just I love airport terminals. I go to the airport hours early just to hang out You're in the terminal. I think it's psychotic. also exciting. I know no one understands it. Like what do you no what do you do the entire time? It, I don't, it's just fascinating to me. I like watching the people. I like uh, starting random conversations with women. I okay. Like, um, just, 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 just so many different. And, and this is like big and small terminals as well. Because I've been to like big terminals, and then there's a lot to do. You know, you can walk around all over the place. But then I've been to like really small ones too, where there's like three stores, and it's like, all right, well, I thumbed through all those magazines, and now I'll just look out the window, and I. I like, are you for it? it doesn't stink. matter okay all right no, small terminals stink we got the little airport here in college station whenever i fly out of college station there's times where like literally i'm the only person in the terminal like that's depressing it feels like the world has ended and you know it, like the zombie apocalypse is happening outside or something but big terminals big time like when i was stuck in chicago don't get any bigger than o'hare yeah oh yeah you know what i mean so you know that's a big terminal it's a big time terminal so i, I like being stuck in the terminal I don't, i'm a weirdo um, I don't even know where I was going before we started airport terminal talk, but uh, eventually at some point, we're going to have to do some wrestling on this show, Rich. We will. Yeah, we have plenty to talk about as well. I've been uh, missed the show last week. I was back in town last week, but I had literally come back that day uh, that we wanted to record, and I just I hadn't watched anything. I didn't know what was going on. I was still catching up, but I think I'm pretty well caught up now, so we got a plenty to talk about uh, as well. Well, you avoided uh, – avoided... listen – I'll give you the opportunity right now for your hot China takes. I know you're, you're oh, chomping God. a bit to give your hot China no, takes. No, I'm not. I'm staying out of that. No, I am uh, staying very far away from the uh, the China debate or, or discussions as well because it's just – That's why you bailed on the show. Uh, it, me out to dry with the hot China well, takes. It was. It was. It played into it. I won't lie. It played into it a little bit because I was just like, "There's no right." Like, people can't handle that conversation. Like, so people get too far on one end, too far on the other. People just go. It. it she, she's too much of a lightning rod, or, or was too much of a lightning rod of like that sort of controversy and, and and the microcosm of everything that's wrong with WWE and their treatment of women and all that sort of stuff. It. it and I, I don't know why they use her uh, as such a uh, an example of that. But yeah, I, I I'm pretty glad I was I was not in there. Uh, as well, because obviously she's been wronged by WWE, but then there's there's other factors as well that go into it. But it, it's it's too multi layered of a story. But people on Twitter just can't handle it. It's too short of a uh, of a medium for people to to properly express their thoughts on it. So people just go nuts in there, and there's big arguments. And I was pretty glad I didn't. But I thought I did listen to that part uh, th- that that you did. And I think you did a very good job of sort of framing. Uh, her career, and at least given the honesty thing, like you know, it would have been real easy for you to go up there and say, "Oh, you know, she was a trailblazer." You know, like you know, pretty much everybody says about every woman who uh, ever was in WWE that, "Oh, she did." You know, but there's there's facts that have to be addressed as well with her, and I, I think you did a good job of of giving both ends of that, and at least uh, giving it a little more of a fair shot than I think a lot of other people were. Because a lot of people are just ready to ready to start immediately with a narrative or immediately with you know rush to a judgment and and this is what should happen and this is you know and it's it's like well okay let, let's 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 look at all the factors in here so no I think you did a very good job with it but yeah it did play a 
uh, a little part of why I didn't really want to do the show last well, week. Well, thank but. you. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I'm going to pat us on the back again because, you know, I'm not exactly the humblest guy. But say what you want about this show. We do a lot of things well. We, we, but I really think when it comes to the serious subject matter, we do a hell of a job, Rich. And I think we should pat ourselves on the back for that. I really do. I think we do an excellent job when it comes to these, uh, these heavy topics that, you know, a lot of other people, you know, it, 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 like you said, it's, it's, you know, sometimes people try to be too profound sometimes, you know, and, and, and I, I think we do a good job with that. And I think the listeners agree because we always get plenty of praise when we do choose to tackle mm-hmm. uh, these, these, these heavier topics. And I just coerced you into doing it anyway because you just did three minutes on China there you go. So. And, and, and you ended up doing it anyway. So there you go. Uh, but yes, other things we do have to talk about today, Wrestling Dontaku, uh, New Japan's uh, big show coming up uh, this weekend. We're going to preview that. Or it's coming up, I think, it's Monday uh, morning, I believe, is that one. Uh, WWE Payback, a show I will be attending live, is this Sunday, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Also, some other news and notes. Will Ospreay uh, signing with New Japan, that big news that came out just a little bit before we started recording here. Uh, TNA potential suitors. Um, Dave Meltzer sort of hinting around a particularly interesting one. We'll talk about that, and then we'll do a quick, I think, Bouncer on Japan segment. It's been a while since we've uh, we've done that, but there's some uh, fun little happenings going on in Japan, so we'll definitely talk about that. But let's uh, let's start out with uh, Wrestling Duntaku. So uh, you have not watched, I reviewed this morning's uh, Road 2 show, but you would watch the other ones. I've caught up and watched most of those as well. Uh, but we have the big card coming up, uh, but before we sort of break that down and go over every uh, you know match, what are your thoughts going into the show? Because I think, I, I really, this is one of my favorite New Japan cards in quite some time like i like looking through this list i'm just like salivating at some of the matches uh we're getting here uh on monday like i I can't believe some of the stuff we're gonna see i can't wait i mean the show is absolutely stacked but the thing is you can't really give the company a ton of credit for that because they it you know it's two shows combined in the one i mean the the, you know the 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 earthquake Mm -hmm. um kind of forced their hand so it's not like you can't throw roses at New Japan and say oh look at this fantastic card they're giving us it's kind of you know circumstances out of their control but regardless of that the show is absolutely stacked and it actually is so stacked that you're looking at a 10 match card where 8 of the matches are either title matches or upper uh, or, or upper card uh, non-title matches that are very uh, you know consequential to future storylines. Um, eight important matches, basically, out of ten. The, the, where you're going to run into a problem of, is everything going to have enough time? Yeah, then, then it's... Because that's where you wonder, because they've had those before. I mean, we remember a few years ago where those shows would be just marathons. They would go five hours or whatever. They, they've They've gotten away from that. Uh, for a while, but yeah, you're looking at a situation where there's going to be, at least when we look and when we preview these, there's these two tag matches that open up the show. Those bad boys are getting like four minutes. You know what I mean? Like four or five minutes tops is all they could really do. And then you might have, you know, the IWGB Junior Heavyweight Tag. That might have to get strength. Because I, when you look at those bottom five matches, it's hard to believe that any of those would get really stiffed for, for too much time because they sort of, every single one kind of needs time. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and, and we'll, you know, obviously get into that more when we preview it, but it, it seems, I you're right. I don't know. Is this going to be one of those five-hour marathon shows or, you know, five and a half like we, we saw a few years ago? It could be. Um, you know, th- th- this this is reminiscent of the kind of stack shows they were doing before they were splitting up the, the shows um, a couple years ago, maybe 2012-ish in that neighborhood before they started doing the, the split New Beginnings and the split uh, – I always forget the name of the September shows. Um, you know, whatever the – Destruction, right? Shows. Is that Destruction? Yeah, the two Destructions and then Dantaku and Hinokuni and all these split shows that they do. But I've, I, even then, during that era, I've never seen a show th- quite this stacked. Maybe what they should have done 
was instead of doing, well, I don't know, they've got an eight-man tag and a tag team match opening up the show. Maybe what they should have done is eliminated maybe the Young Lions from the mix and just did did a ten-man tag to open the show and did one match instead of two to save a little bit of time. But um, I don't know. But but because I'm 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 afraid that at least two or three of these eight matches are going to get shorted on time. And that would be a shame because I think every single one no, there, there's one that I look at that I say, you know what? Hey, you can give them about five minutes. I think I'd I be okay with it. I know yeah. what you're looking at, but at the same time, it is a I know. title match and you've, you've got to give that one act an opportunity to sort of find themselves, but we'll we'll get to that. Do do you want to um, go over it match by match? Yeah, let's do match by match. And I, I said Monday earlier. It's actually Tuesday morning uh, that Dontaku is going to air. So uh, just just so people know, uh, New Japan World obviously it'll be live there. Uh, no English commentary for this you know one. What would be interesting to find out is if the the you know they're real big on um on like the mass transit, the train schedules and stuff. If it's different on a Tuesday where maybe they have to, maybe they can go, maybe they can do a monster five hour show. If that's not a, if the, if, if the, if you know, the trains are running late on that particular day or whatever, mm-hmm. I know there's certain days of the week where, you know, they've got to wrap up the shows by a certain time so people can get home. I don't know what the deal is in this city on this day of the week though. So that would probably be a better question, uh, for some of our pals in Japan. And maybe that's something worth looking to, um, before the show happens, too. Uh, absolutely. So let's uh, let's go over the matches here. So we open up with uh, the Bullet Club, Bad Luck Folly, and Yujiro Takahashi taking on Captain New Japan and Juice Robinson. That'll be our opener, and that match is going to get about two minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no reason for that match to get any time, and uh, especially on this card with ten matches. Uh, this guy's. I mean, this is just going to be... It's definitely going to be under five, for sure. It's not going over five. I think they did the exact same match in Cork and Hall on the 23rd, and... It, that's exactly what it was. It was like four minutes long, and it was a squash, and Bad Luck Folly just went in there and murdered people. And in my review, I praised that. That's exactly – when Bad Luck Folly is in a match like this, he should just squash people. There's no reason he should give anything to Juice Robinson or Captain New Japan. He should squash them and defeat them easily and call it a day. Now, I did not see the show from uh, the 27th. We're recording this on the 27th. But the show from the 27th, who, who, I did not see the show yet. The Tanahashi Fale match, who won and how was it? Um, uh, I, yeah, yeah, Tanahashi won. I was not a huge fan of it. I think those two have had way better matches uh, before. I mean, we, we've seen they've had like legitimately good to great matches before. I don't know. This one, I, I've seen some people that really liked it, some people that didn't. I, to me, it, it, it was Fale that was working. Fale worked. It wasn't like it, it wasn't like his monster offense. You know how sometimes when he goes in there and he has this like legit monster offense, and sometimes he goes in there and he's got like slow fat man offense. You know the difference. He had there was little bouts where he had that monster offense. There was one spot where he he threw Tanahashi in the corner and was just clubbing him, like doing the bear clubs to him, and the crowd was actually getting into it. And then the majority of the match was just finally you know sort of slowly falling onto Tanahashi. And then uh, it, it was weird because Tanahashi didn't necessarily have like too big of a comeback. It just like he reversed the bad luck fall. He did the sling blade. Uh, he did the high fly flow, and that was it. And it was like oh okay like that. It, it just I don't know. It, it didn't have the same build to me. Uh, Tanahashi did you know a, a decent amount, but. 
I don't know. I, I it, for me, it just didn't really click all that much. And I think they've had a lot better. It's not to say it's a horrible match. I think I gave it three and a quarter, or three and a half or so, somewhere around there. But they've had better. Um, you know, those yeah. two guys have had way better. But I've seen people that really liked it. So uh, maybe I'm not the, the best judge of it. But I, I just, I this was folly when when you give him a little too much time, it can kind of get long in the tooth uh, with him. Like you said, I really enjoy him in these quick sprints uh, when he can just be a monster and not sell or whatever. This, uh, I, I don't know. This less monster, more slow fat guy, and I don't like that folly. Yeah, well, this will be monster folly, and he's just gonna you know maul these guys, and it'll probably be very similar to the match on the twenty third, and he'll probably beat uh, Captain New Japan. Well, I guess he could pin either one of them, but one of them's going down to the uh, bad luck fall. Cap's been taking a lot of falls lately, so it might, it might be the cap. I don't know. They've, Juice has we, been uh, uh, Juice. Juice got a fall. Juice got a fall on the twenty seventh. Oh, how about that? What was it, what was that? What was it a tag match? Uh, yes, yeah. And he scored the fall. He did. Holy shit! Who did he pin? Uh, he pinned Captain New Japan, I believe, which makes it very funny that he's. Did you watch the Corkin show on the twenty fourth? Ah, the twenty fourth. I, I I got bits and pieces of that. I don't believe I saw anything with Juice you Robinson. Probably skipped though. it because the captain, the, well, the captain New Japan six man, he teamed with Tiger Mask and I want to say oh Taguchi, okay, and he was not getting along with Tiger Mask and Taguchi, and. You know, finally they gave up on him and they let him, you know, he wouldn't tag out was the story of the match. And it was like played for comedy. You then wrestled the match yourself. And of course he lost. And then in the post match, they literally hand waved him. Tiger Mask <laughs> gave him the double hand wave and they walked out on him. You think they're doing something here with Captain New Japan or you think these are just little things that are going to be totally inconsequential? Um, what do you think? Do you I don't know. Yeah. That? I mean, it seemed like on the twenty seventh, nothing had really changed. Uh, he he teamed with Finley, uh, and against it was against Juice and, and Jay White, and he was in there. But you know, like it was a five minute match, and he didn't really shine that, in any way, and didn't well, really do I'll tell much. You so. what, though, him taking if he's teaming with a young lion, mm-hmm. and he's taking the fall, yes, with three young lions and, in there, really. I mean, if Juice is still sort of the pseudo young lion, but yeah, like you said, Finley, Juice, and Jay White, and Captain <laughs> took the fall. So, and Juice pinning him firmly tells you that he's behind Juice in the pecking order now, which may not have been the case prior to that. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they got something a little. Look, I'm not saying they're going to push the guy, but maybe there's something cooking there in terms of like a little prelim storyline where maybe he's starting to get out. Maybe he turns heel or something. Who knows? All right, we'll get back to the uh, the card here. Uh, why next, did, why did we spend so much time? On I have no idea. Match? That's <laughs> that's good. Our preview is much longer than the match will probably be. So uh, now we have an eight man tag. We have Gato, Sakuraba, Will Osprey, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, and Yoshihashi versus David Finley, Jay White, Taguchi, and Tiger Mask. So a uh, great way for Osprey to, <laughs> to get that new paper uh, all set and ready to go. But of course, yeah, he's he's in a holding pattern. Uh, when this card was booked, but now, as we'll talk about here in a little bit, expect uh, much better things for him moving forward. So, yeah, um, again, they should blow through this because they need to give everything else time. I do expect Osprey, though, with the new contract, to be heavily featured in this match, and I would not be surprised at all if he scores the fall on either Finley or White. I think the goal here, when you look at the people involved, who's in the match, is probably going to be to make Willow Spray look as good as possible. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, you look at the, I mean, Gato, Sakuraba, and Yoshihashi, none of those guys need that fall. You know, it's a, it's all Osprey, no. yeah, for sure. So it's it's going to be a quick one. He'll do some fancy moves, get the pin, and, and, and you know, Gato will, will love him and hug him and, and his new toy and be so happy with him. So I'll uh, move on now. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. You have Rapungi Vice, the champions, defending against Matt Seidel and Ricochet. And this is the one match where you kind of look at, at least, you know, 
with our opening discussion, that's one that could lose some time and it might suffer if it does lose some time. Oh, I thought you were talking about the the the, the heavyweight tag title. No, that's one I want to lose time. That that's oh, one yeah, I'm gl- yeah. if that's five minutes, I'll be perfectly okay with that. This one, right. I don't want it to be five minutes, but this could suffer from the nece- uh, the need to to open up time later in the show for sure. Sure, and the compelling thing with any Ricochet match moving forward is um, the booking is very important because then we'll know kind of what's up with him. Because his status, unlike Osprey, who now we know he's in the fold, we don't know what's going on with Ricochet, and and we still don't know, and it's still up in the air. And uh, you know, he if he takes the Lucha Underground deal, then he would presumably stay with New Japan as well and work New Japan around the Lucha Underground dates, which really would give him a lot of freedom to work most New Japan dates because Lucha Underground only tapes a few times a year. Um, I'm sure there'd be very little conflict. Uh, but you know, if he keeps losing and keeps taking falls, he took the fall in, in you know when they lost the titles to Rapongi Vice. Then it tells you that you know that situation is still uh, very unsettled. So that's where all of his matches here, and and also it's a no, it, it's not even a secret that New Japan is openly looking for a new partner for Matt Seidel. So they expect him uh, to not be booked moving forward, I guess, or they're at least preparing for the possibility yeah. that they will not be booking him moving forward. So. I would say that he take that he eats the fall again because I think they're going to keep beating the guy just in the case that he does leave. Yeah, right, and that makes sense. It's the right way to go, I think, from their perspective. I absolutely get it why they would do that. Is you know until they know for a fact, hey, I'm hanging around for a year. Hey, I'm this is my you know, hey, you can book me here. Hey, you can do that. Yeah, why not? I mean, especially if Seidel's going to hang around, you don't want him to take the fall, and you especially don't want Seidel and Ricochet to win if Ricochet then tomorrow goes, oh yeah, sorry, I signed this deal. I mean, they've <laughs> New Japan's had enough issues with that uh, this past year, so it, it makes all the sense in the world, and and it kind of sucks that we're kind of in this holding pattern but we get it that's the business of wrestling sometimes so and it makes the match a little more intriguing to see what direction they go and then you could you know when when you do see what kind of uh how it's booked then everyone could you know run on twitter and mm-hmm. speculate at what they think is going on rich did you notice it and did you watch the whole invasion attack show i did yes i did were you sneaking away during the wedding to sneak off into the bathroom <laughs> to watch invasion attack in six minute clips, I uh, unfortunately I, I waited till I got home to watch Invasion Attack, but uh, that's a, it's a good idea as well. There would have been there were a few times during the wedding I would have liked to escape and <laughs> go into a bathroom and watch it, but you know, see, see, you know, you're a smart man. You're putting over the nurse in those first twenty minutes because you know she turns it off. Oh, it wasn't her fault. No, it, it, actually, she was she was fine with it. It was her uh, uh, her bridesmaids, and they, they won't listen. Not not all of them. Two of them are cool. One, eh, not so much, but. See, this is why I wanted to be invited to the wedding, because I wanted to meet these bridesmaids, Rich. Uh, two of them are very taken. And the other one, uh, although you might have liked her. She's like a fiery Italian that just argues with everybody oh, and causes fights. Yeah, she's fucking annoying. See, so it's like, I fucking hate it's, her. <laughs> see, Rich, here's the thing. That's not what I like. But, but you need it. You crave it. Yeah, you crave it. I, I need it. I need to be kept in line <sighs> by a fiery Italian <sighs> who's not going to take my shit. That's what I need, Rich. Um... Uh, what's this? Uh, what's this broad look like? <laughs> I'll show you a picture. All right, not bad. Do you like blondes? Anyway, She's a fake blonde. Does that count, or is that hurt? I don't, oh, see, here's the thing. I typically don't like blondes, but when I, you know, I, I did tweet this from Lands Unfiltered a few weeks ago. When I, I do not typically like blondes. I'm into the brunettes, but when I am into blondes, for whatever reason, I'm into the thicker blondes. I don't understand why. But it's I, I like a chunky blonde, Rich. I can't explain it. Uh, I like the chunkier blonde, so we might be on to something here. Um, but but the point I was going to make about Invasion Attack was, did you notice that Matt Seidel kicked out of the Dude Buster in that match 
And then Ricochet was pinned with the Dude Buster. That was like the double fuck you to Ricochet. It was like, okay, you just got beat with the move that your partner kicked out of (laughs) 30 seconds earlier. And the move that Beretta had finished everyone off with on the tour, because I watch all the tour stops because I'm a maniac. Beretta beat everybody on the tour with the Dude Buster. Okay, so I thought that was a big key, Seidel kicking out of that move. Maybe, maybe not something that people may not have noticed. And I was wondering if you picked up on that. I didn't notice that. No, until you mentioned that, I, I, I just kind of I, I assumed it was sort of a one-off. But it makes a lot of sense now. I do remember that spot. I remember it happening. But yeah, I don't remember uh, ever at that time thinking, "Oh man, this is really an omen for for the future." But that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right, I sent you the picture there on your uh, your chat in our. Oh, oh, I'm getting it right now. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. All right, we'll set up the next match, and I'll check this out. All right, all right. Never open weight six-man tag team championship. Hiroshi Tanahashi, Michael Logan, and Yoshitatsu uh, defending against the elite Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson, of course, the Young Bucks. What do you got, Joe? Um, I would swipe right. However, I'll just leave it at that. I yeah. would swipe right. She's psychotic, right. so, I mean... <laughs> you know, I don't know. You know, I, this picture she doesn't look like. Yeah, I wouldn't call her a chunky blonde. I never said she was chunky. I said fake blonde. No, I said she's because she's not actually oh, blonde. Fake. You said fake. I thought you said thick. Oh no 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 no. Okay. All right. I mean all right, she's. Yeah, uh, no. I mean she's not skinny, but I, well, yeah, she's not a size two. But I, I, this is not someone where I'd go. That's a thick female. No, no. Sorry, that was a either either in the positive connotation. <laughs> Or the negative connotation. She, she, you know, she does. I tell you what, though, she's got some crazy eyes. Oh yeah, she looks like she's she looks like trouble. She looks like trouble. Yep. And this and this man, she's in the picture. That's her with, father. He's like, he's <laughs> like, he know what I was gonna say was whoever this person was knows she's trouble. Oh, absolutely. Because, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could just see her, and she's just the way her hands are on her hips. I could see her marching around this fucking wedding, just sassing it up with everybody, and thinking she's running shit. Wow, You're totally. Were right. you, and you sure you weren't there? I, that's because exactly <laughs> you nailed it. Yes. And I could also tell you that this big, she's really cheesing for this picture with the smile. She's also the kind of person that I could promise you. Less than a split second after this picture was taken, that smile was fucking gone. Yeah, she was yelling she, at her dad about something. And she was yeah. right back down the business of sassing everybody and bossing people around. That's a fake ass smile. Yep, there you go. Well, you 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 know your women, Joe, because you uh, you nailed her. So, not, I mean, not no, no, I used that wrong. <laughs> you nailed her you to can, a T. I said, that, I'm just gonna stop away. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. You, you correctly can, uh, predicted her personality. There we go. Okay. Listen, you can you can send me your number later. Though. I think I can uh, I could corral this one. I think that I don't would be think interesting. You can. Could you listen? I got you got if listen. I'm going to visit Chicago someday. I, I, I'm going to come over there for an AEW show. I'm going to sleep on your couch. Uh, I'm not waiting for the invite. I'm just well. You got you got Phoenix and Pentagon coming up next week, champ. So you better uh, you better get here pretty quick. And you got Global listen. Wars that same weekend. So. But w- listen, when I come to Chicago and sleep on your couch and go to AEW, we're hanging out with this girl Ugh. because now we got to make it happen. We got to go bar hopping or whatever. We got to hang out with this girl. And you have, because I think it would be a fun dynamic to see Jill Anza interacting with this one because she looks like a handful. You guys would argue all the time. And then, it, like, we always see, like, the perfect guy for her is someone that just argues with her all the time. And then, like, two minutes later, we look and they're just, like, making out. And, like, we're like, all right, that well, <laughs> like, right. That, that like fuck you. Go to hell. Oh, screw you. And then, like, we look away. We're like, oh, well, they're in a fight now. We'll go over here. And then we come back and you guys are just madly in love with one another. So that, that was a Saturday Night Live bit. Do you remember that bit? The couple that should be broken up. And they were, just, yeah, they, that, that's what it would be like. Yeah, I could totally see it. <laughs> it just makes I it uncomfortable for everybody, eyes, and we're all like, oh, okay, here we go again. Like, ah, man, I, I, you know what? <laughs> I gotta send you 
the best of my Tinder picks to send her, and we got to make this happen. I think <laughs> I think we got to make this happen. I'm dead serious too. So anyway, the uh, the never open weight gimmick. So um, they defended these titles on the tour, Rich. I don't know if you knew that, but the titles were defended on I think the the twenty either twenty third or twenty fourth in Corican. So this wasn't officially a title match until that first title match. Uh, had taken place. It was Kenny Omega, Yujiro, and... Fale, wasn't it? It was Velik Fale, correct? Was yeah. it Fale? I believe so. Yeah, that was yeah, the 23rd, so. right? Yeah, I think it was the 23rd. So, uh, so yeah, these these titles, it's like we said, defended pretty much on, on just, you know, ev- they're defended every tour, sometimes multiple times on each tour, which I think is awesome. And I think this result can go either way, because with these titles, you, you really never know. Um, but I, I am leaning towards a successful defense from the, uh, from the uh, New Japan Army team. What about you? Uh, I am as well. I just think it, it doesn't, at this point, doesn't, I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense for Omega and, and the Bucks to have the titles as well, though. If you're going to build up, because of course, the, the T uh, you haven't seen it yet, but the tease at the end of uh, 427 is Omega and Tanahashi in a rematch uh, for the IC title. So that could play a factor in there as well. Maybe Omega then possesses that title as well and then sort of can hang that over uh, Tanahashi. So that, that's an interesting thing as well is that if you have uh, you know that sort of dynamic. So a- having watched, you know, initially had I looked at this card, I would have probably said that, that the New Japan Army will, will retain. But, you know, having watched with the buildup of, uh, of 427 and seeing the buildup of Omega and Tanahashi, I, I don't know. Maybe I could honestly see Omega win this title just to use as sort of a more more ammo against Tanahashi. I think it kind of works in that way. Especially, you'll see, I, I won't spoil it all for you, but there's a special little thing that happens in that beatdown that, that would make sense if there was yeah. literally a title hanging over <laughs> Omega and Tanahashi. So so that might that might change my mind once I see that match um, because you're right that's an important match to watch in terms of the dynamics here because these guys are all feuding over two different belts at this point um, but yeah so oh and on the uh, th- there was a you know Tanahashi and and Elgin beat the Young Bucks um, I guess on the show where Koji- the, the Kojima uh, Shibata main event um, I guess that was uh, in late March so all of these people here have been facing each other and feuding with each other and going at it so um, you with the benefit of seeing the, t- the show from the 27th, you're still sticking with the Tanahashi side? Um, no, I'm going to change, I'm oh, going to lead I'm going to lead, yeah, I, I kind of like them winning this, I, I think for the story I think it will make a little bit more sense or at least be a cool little accessory and it's a title that you know we've talked about before if it changes, it doesn't, who cares, you know what I mean like yeah. no one really loses a whole lot by you know dropping that title they can win it back you know the next show it's, it's, it is what and it are is. You, are you of the belief you know I wrote about this in one of my reviews for the Corican shows but this really is the seventh most important title in the pecking order um, this idea that this title needs to be protected, do you think that's bullshit the way I think that? I've always, no, I mean, you remember, we actually had an argument a few months oh, ago did, where I yeah, thought it was kind of a joke. I, I think they've since moved away from kind of the joke. When, when Yano was winning it and losing it every single time he went out there, it was sort of getting into joke territory, but now I just see it as more of an accessory to feuds, which, which is fine. It, it, like, yeah. you know, it's not that big of a deal. Like, people will say, but as long as you keep... You know, you know, there's the old argument, of course, that, yeah, in, you know, Attitude Era, WWF, you know, the titles were just accessories and that sort of stuff, and they're bouncing back and forth. But that, we're talking about, you know, the IC title was an accessory to feuds or whatever. You know, I don't want this, you know, I don't want the, the, the New Japan, you know, the IWGP Intercontinental title or the World title or even the Never Open Weight to just be that. But if this match in the seventh in the line is that sort of way, you know, it's like the European, you know, it's even less than the yes. freaking European title was it's at that point. Like, it's like, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. In it, terms of pecking. It's order. like the WWF 
light heavyweight championship. It's like, exactly. I don't care. Like, or the hardcore or something. Right. It's the seventh title in the pecking order. This idea that, that, that they're not protecting it, it doesn't – not you know not every title needs to be protected like it's you know the fucking NWA world title in 1950. You know, it's, it's – this doesn't have that sort of purpose. So I, I kind of that, – that, that bothers me. Rich, you know what I'm watching now? I've got the uh, – I've got the lucha running on the background yeah. here. I've got the the yellow wave, Rich. I've got Fujin, Raijin, Kamatachi, and Okamura. Wow. Okay, four men. And they're facing Mascara Dorada, Dragon Lee, Mystico, and Ice Man is because he's been dead on the floor the entire match. They're fucking kid. This is like a four-star TV match. They're killing it too. This is something else. People got to go out of their way and find this one. If you got the Time Warner Deportes, like I do, and you get the old Lucha that's like six weeks old, record this week's episode because I'm sitting here watching this match, and this is one hell of a fucking match. That but sounds great. involved, <laughs> you would think it would be. I mean, this is insane. Okay, anyway, what do we got next? All right, that sounds great, yeah. that's. Well, what's it on for people that don't know? Uh, Time Warner Deportes, and let's see. If you have DirecTV, it's channel 470. And uh, or you could search Lucha Libre Mexicana is what they call it. And what it is is a uh, Cubs fan helped me with this. We finally figured it out a couple months ago. It's the it's Arena Mexico. It's matches from Arena Mexico, but from they're about six weeks old. So it's about six weeks behind. So you're not it doesn't you're not up to date on it or anything. Obviously, because Kamatachi and he hasn't been booked in like a month and a half or whatever. So this was like one of his final days in. But uh, I, you know, this match is killing it. So I recommend if you uh, have that Sounds channel great. to record that. I wonder if it's popped up online anywhere. I'll have to, I'll have to do a search for it here in a little bit to, to see because I do not believe I I'm get sure Time Warner Deportes. It's, it's Arena Mexico, so I'm sure <laughs> yeah. it's probably in, the match is probably on Cubs fans' YouTube page too. So, all right, uh, moving on. Uh, tag Team Championship, the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga. And Tonga Rao or Tonga Rao, and I, I know people keep then like I, somebody tweeted at him, and it's apparently Lao or something like that. I, I, who the hell knows what the it's hell it is? Tanga Tanga T A N G A Loa L O A. Okay, because everybody that keeps is, t- is spelling it with the R, and then I think he specifically said no, it's with the L. But yeah, Tamatanga himself corrected. Uh, actually, Rob McCarran just asked him directly, "What the hell is your brother's name?" And he said it's Tanga Loa. That's straight from Tamatanga. So we're gonna go with the that. Pro- the problem is the New Japan website has it wrong, and then everyone is using the New Japan website as a source. So you have all these other websites, whether it's Meltzer or our site or whoever, they're using the New Japan website because why wouldn't that be right? You know. So now everyone's getting it wrong, so there's a lot of confusion, but it's Tangaloa. I think that uh, translates uh, – where are they? They're from Tonga, correct? Mm-hmm. The translation <laughs> is two is from stars. Tonga, correct, yeah. It's it's the translation is two stars is two stars that's what Tonga Loa means. Uh, that's actually pretty stinks. funny. <laughs> that's pretty great. <laughs> I didn't know that. How did you know that that would translate? You 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 know sold me. Oh, that's great. Look, this team stinks. <laughs> that's great. This team stinks. Let's face it. Uh, you've seen their matches so far. Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, these are two star I mean, specials all the way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's and and look. And it's like I'm not letting Tamatanga off the hook because no, he's so he good. Like, Why are you so bad, Tamatanga? You're so good. Why are you so bad? He has not been good since. But he been is. Good. He is. If he wants, like, ugh. but well, he can be. But he's just not. I don't know. It's just the point I've been making with you gone 
And obviously, I, you know, I'm just talking to myself and I have no one to bounce things off of. And I want to see you think about this. Maybe he's just the kind of guy who's better putting people over. Yeah. Because he takes great bumps and, and he's energetic. His offense sucks. His offense is terrible. That, bingo. See, so you, I think you agree with me. Maybe he's just a guy who's better as an enhancement guy. And, and look, some guys are just better as enhancement guys. Um, so maybe that's just the case with him. I don't know. I'm not ready to write him off because it's way too soon. I mean, the guy's been getting pushed for what, two months or four months at tops if you want to go back to January uh, with the, uh, with the, or February rather with the uh, six-man uh, win, which was really the kickoff. Or you want to go back to the, the promo on January 5th. Wherever you want to mark down where his push began, at, at the most, he's only been getting pushed four months. And I think that's way too soon to write a guy off. I think as wrestling fans and as pundits, we're way too soon. We're all guilty of it. We write people off way too soon. Um, but, but he has not been impressive. And the brother, as we feared, Rich, he is just such a jag. He's just there. He's just a guy. He's he's the he's a two star special machine. That's that's what the guy is. He's just not very good. Yeah, they, their matches are just <laughs> yeah. This is the one. Now, of course, they're against as I mentioned, Great Bash Heel, uh, Togi Makabe, and Tamiaki Hanma, um, and Girls Destiny. Of course, the champions. This is one that honestly, if you want to make it five minutes, that'd be fine. But it sucks because Great Bash Heel is really good. They're just stuck in this this thing again and it's like man I, I really just hope we don't get a thing where this is that team like that the Gorillas of Destiny's team is just in the tag picture and in the tag title picture for so long because it's just like you know we finally got rid of Gallows and Anderson who you, you know are, are obviously doing big things in, in WWE right now we finally sort of broke from that for a little bit it was kind of fun the tag division had a little bit of life and now these guys are in and they're just sucking every bit of it out again and now I'm back to just skipping these tag matches even though I love Hanman and I love Makabe but it's just like I, I can't do it like I it's just I, I, if this match goes 15, I just don't know what I'm going to do. If I have, you know, these next five matches left to go, and it's like, God, like, why? Just end this match, please. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I've been not a fan of them at all. Camacho, Lau, or whatever the hell you want to call it, he's just horrible. He's, he's so bad. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, you are stuck with them, and I think they're probably going to win this match. Yeah. And hopefully they <laughs> improve. The thing is with Camacho, it's, it's unfair, too. Who the fuck moonwalks into this company with a resume like his and immediately gets pushed? That's insane. His his first New Japan match was the semi-main event of Invasion Attack. Think about that. Think about that. That's his first horrifying. New Japan match <laughs> yeah. was the semi-main event of like their third biggest show of the year. And with his resume, are you kidding me? What has he ever done? He is a WWE Performance Center uh, assembly line wrestler. Hey, That's he, exactly he, what he is. He won the gut check, didn't he? He won uh, TNA's gut check. One year. Did he win it? Did Michael win it, or was he just in it? <laughs> Wasn't it Fafita, or what was his name? Uh, Mike- was he Micah? No, I think he was something else too, wasn't he? Or no, was it always Micah? He was Micah in TNA. Okay. He was something Fafita like before he was Camacho. Mm, okay, uh, all right, was, that's where uh, I got it mixed up. Uh, he was something else too before Camacho in WWE. I don't know, but the <laughs> the, the point is, um, it, it was funny because I forget who asked him, but someone asked Garrett Kidney what was the best Micah match in TNA, and of course Garrett had an answer. He went into his database, and I think it was a star and three quarters. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, God. And, it, it, and really, I mean, uh. the WWE when they, I mean, he had one of the worst matches I ever saw. It versus Ad- versus uh, Corey Graves in NXT, which I think is on the network. One one of the very first NXTs on the network. I mean, he's just not very good, and he, he just walks into this company where the working standard, I think we can all agree, is pretty fucking high, 
and he's in the semi-main event of their third biggest show of the year. My point here is it's kind of unfair to him. I mean, realistically, I have no problem with him being in New Japan at all. And I kind of felt that that was kind of going to be his destiny with his brother there and everything. But he he should be in the Juice Robinson spot right now. He should be working prelims, mm-hmm. work his and, way up, and yeah, going, yeah, and going to the dojo and getting better and and working his way up the card. And I wouldn't have a problem with that. But this guy is not ready for the spot that he's in. I'll move on to a match I'm definitely looking forward to. Never Openweight Championship. Uh, Shibata defending his title against Yuji Nagata. And that's been built up great. And this is a match I think a lot of us were, were or at least I know I've been anticipating for a while as, as Shibata is kind of running through the old guys and now he faces Nagata as his next old guy and, and presumably uh, the last step on his, his path to destroying all the uh, the legends. Yeah, this is presumably, unless they got a big Nakanishi <laughs> match up their sleeve. I was going to say. But, uh, <laughs> Hey, man, Komatsu was just doing some funky dancing in this match in the third fall. That needs to be seen, I tell you. He just did a little moonwalk and some uh, break. Nice, all right. That, that Komatsu. How's, how's he look as, as uh, Fujin or whatever? Uh, he is. He is. Are they uh, still wearing those horrible pants? They had, like, really bad pants. I remember in one well, photo. Did they get rid of those? Match, they're wearing, like, uh, well, I don't know which pants you saw. They wear longer pants. Um, Tanaka's are orange and Komatsu's nah, uh, Komatsu are green. Yeah. But I think... Since this now they're wearing them in this match too, but I think Komatsu has a different look now. But Tanaka still has these pants because they were like parachute um, pants or like real big and silky. The old and like, Fuji pants. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. But like with the karate belt, because you know, yellow wave. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know. Oh, Mexico. For people who don't know, like that's you know that's yeah. what they call the Japanese contingent. It's incredibly racist. Um, uh, Which again, know, we, we remind you as well that if you see Naito come out and he's opening his eyes during his uh, entrance, then there you go. That's yeah, that's what that means, <laughs> right? Yeah. They would call him slanty eye and make fun of his eyes. It's just you know that's wrestling. Um, yeah. So the word, the early word was Tanaka had had acclimated to the style faster than Kamatsu did, but I think uh, based on what I'm watching here, they look about the same. And, and Kamatachi's just worlds ahead of both of them, which. Um, isn't even a slight to those two guys. It's just Kamatachi's pretty, pretty incredible. Um, he's in there with Dragon Lee now, and of course, that's just magic when those guys are in together. But uh, uh, stop letting me go off track. Yeah, now. Shibata yeah, Nagata. Come on, Joe. Um, yeah, so this should presumably end it all. Look, I, I don't think Nagata should win. I think Shibata no, should no. win. Um, I, I don't know what they did on 427 with these guys, but I know on 424 they did a great angle where Shibata choked out Nagata after their tag match in what was a great visual. And Nagata and Jushin Liger sort of limped to the back, the old defeated veterans, and it sort of set the stage for the two old guys getting their final chances at glory at the pay-per-view and, 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 and how they, they are seemingly overmatched by the younger and better foes. Uh, but what did they do on the 27th? So the 27th, the, the, the Shibata Nagata stuff wasn't too, there wasn't too much heaviness there. It was kind of Shibata. They, they had a little bit of a face-off. Shibata kicked him one time. Uh, Nagata put him in, you know, the arm lock and, and all that sort of stuff. So there was kind of that. The bigger focus on that one is the match we'll talk about here in a little bit. And that 427 tag was uh, Liger getting over on, on Kushida and, and, you know, doing a bunch of stuff to him, working over his leg, uh, actually hitting his knee with a chair, just being a full-on dick. Like, Liger was just an asshole this entire match. So that was really the focus there. Shibata and Nagata didn't get a whole lot in that that match uh focused on them they just sort of traded some blows here and there 
But yeah, everything was on Kushida and Liger, uh, which, of course, I guess we can transition to our next match. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, Kushida, the champion, defending against Liger. First off, I love this booking. I thought it was, I was watching Invasion Attack, and I went in unspoiled. I didn't read anything. I didn't watch it. I was kind of like, hey, you know, I have this one opportunity where I don't know what anybody's talking about. I don't, I don't know any consensus. I don't know what anybody thought of anything. And then so I watched, of course, Kushida and Will Ospreay, which was incredible. And then immediately after, as I'm coming down from that high, Liger comes out and challenges, and I'm like, here we go. Like, that is awesome. And I had to go back and look, and it had been, um, did you actually see that? Or I don't know if you looked this up or if you mentioned this. I put this in the, the 427 review. Do you know the last time Liger challenged uh, for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title? Oh, shit. Um, I'm going to say it was about 2010. It was exactly 2010. Who was his opponent? His opponent would have been uh, 2010. Um, I'm trying to think of a match. Um that that's Devitt era, but I don't think his opponent would would have been Devitt. I'm gonna say uh, uh, Taguchi. No. Do you want another guess? Well, no, no. Who was it? Marafuji. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's a different era for sure. I I knew it wasn't Devitt, but holy shit, I I for, completely forgot. Marafuji dropped it to Devitt once. Uh, I think there was two more defenses, and then I think he dropped it to Devitt after that. So yeah, it was Devitt era, but that was the it was right before Devitt had sort of taken over that that division. But yeah, that's uh, so we're we're talking six years. A little over six years since the last time Liger even had a chance at it. So him coming out and challenging Kushida was just awesome. And and Kushida, I think, is a guy who just we I, I don't know if anybody gives him really enough credit for just how good he is because we we go in these matches. Of course, against Osprey, we'll talk about Osprey in a little bit. He's awesome. He's incredible. But like Kushida is just every bit. You know, you know, he gets in there with a bunch of different guys all the time. Whether it's Roger Strong, whether it's Will Osprey, whether it's you know Kyle O'Reilly, and this guy just delivers almost every single time out. Like I just don't think I, I just don't know if enough people give this guy credit as one of the better workers in, in the business right now. I think he's incredible yeah i you know i i think so too i think um i think everyone was afraid he was going to lose to willow spray from the perspective of well that's the end of kushida's run you know what i mean because they got all these you know you, you, they want to play around with osprey now but i think beating osprey and now this is very smart and something i never would have thought about doing beating jushin lager was sort of solidified this at we are in this is the this is we're going to look back on this. This is the Kushida run with this title. This is his trade. This is going to be his trademark run. And beating Liger is sort of a symbolic thing, and I think this was smart to follow up the Osprey defense with this one because now he will have beaten this hot shot, world traveling, uh, breakout superstar of 2016 in Invasion Attack, and now he beats the Junior Legend, and then. They transit because then it's best of the super juniors and the J Cup, and then they're going to do whatever they're going to do with him. In one, I think he'll win one of those tournaments or the other. Um, I think J Cup's a good spot for him to win because best of super juniors, you want to set up another challenger, ideally. Sure. Um, but but so we'll see what they do with the two tournaments coming up. But this is good, you know, to beat Osprey and Liger back to back. That really solidifies this run. And if he can have a because the match with Osprey was, I mean, that's a top ten match of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to make my list for sure. Like it's going to take a real tough match to sort of knock that thing out because that that's pretty well locked in there. I think at this point, that was just something I think else. It was just fucking phenomenal. And 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 I mean, if he has a, another great match, which I think that these two guys can have a great match. And again. When it comes to the mid-card on this show, I, like we talked about, I'm concerned with time. That's what I'm concerned with. Um, but they can have a great match if they give them time. And I think if he has back-to-back great matches against Osprey and Liger, that'll go a long way to solidifying this run. 
as 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 his trademark run. Yeah, and, so, and as I mentioned, that four twenty seven was interesting as well because Liger was just a full on dick here. He, you know, he he was working over Kushida's legs, uh, got the chair, was hitting him, hitting his knee with the chair or whatever, like like really kind of being vicious and just being real mean to Kushida as well. And Kushida was you know of course writhing in pain and and really selling the knee well. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see if that sort of plays into this or. Uh, but I assume you're going to get that Liger. You're, you're not going to get the, you know, let's have a good match and let's, you know, <laughs> you know, have a good handshake and see what we can do, Liger. I think this is the Liger that's out there to, to, to win. I mean, of course, I don't think he is going to win, but that'll be a cool dynamic. And I'm sure once Kushida does beat him, then maybe Liger will say, okay, you know, hey, you're pretty good. You know, one of those things, you know, the, the, you have to, you have to earn my respect type deal. And then he, you know, beats him and then it's, okay, yeah, you're fine. You're good in my book. So, right. Uh, that's, move on. That's exactly what it, oh, it'll yeah. be Liger. It'll be Liger. Yeah, like you just said, I wasn't going to make some big point. It's just, this will be Liger, you know, saying you're the man now yep. after he beats him. So, uh, this one that could lose some time, and maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing in the absolute world. Uh, Evil versus Roki Goto, even though I've I've liked Evil a lot lately, and I think Goto's uh, a little rejuvenated with the chaos thing, but this could be a victim of time as well. Yeah, well, you know what? This would be a good spot to sort of shave time because it, it could be gimmicky, you know. So if they want to cut time with one of the matches higher up on the card, this might be one where you want to do it. With nothing really at stake. I mean, there's nothing at stake in this match. It's just a challenge match. They're just in a feud. They're in a feud. That's all. You know, and it's not any kind of big blow-off, and there's no title at stake. These are just two guys that don't like each other and have been feuding for the last couple months, you know, which is fine. But, yeah, I think, yeah, this is is where if they choose to shave some time, you can do it here. Uh, And then we'll move on. uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Sonata. What have you been thinking of Sonata so far in uh, New Japan? I haven't heard your thoughts. Great. Yeah. And and I thought the debut, at first no one knew who he was. But then it's like you had this thing where people started murmuring with each other. And and then they sort of all figured it out. And and then, and, and, and he has looked great. On every and every match that he's been in, he's uh, he's he's really carried himself well. I think he's carrying himself um, 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 perfectly at this point. He fits right in. Um, I, I, look, I think this, this is a guy who. Here's what's going to happen with Sonata, okay? Eventually, this guy is going to work his way towards the top of the card, but it's going to take a while because you know it takes this company and and Japan in general a long time to push people. Sonata is going to be the guy over the next two years or so that everyone complains that Gato isn't pushing fast enough. He's the new guy. Now that Shibata is getting pushed with the contract and now that some people have been elevated, Sonata is that new lightning rod because you know, Rich, that this is not going to come overnight. I understand he's in a semi-main event with Okada here, right? But – you don't see this guy in, you know, IWGP heavyweight title matches. No, the next, God, no. You know, six months. But he's someone who, long term, I think this is a this is a sneaky little signing, because this is also a guy who went to the United States, tried to catch on, <laughs> very clearly wanted to end up in WWE. They didn't want him. Uh, he sort of came back to Japan. I don't want to say with his tail between his legs. No, you but, can. <laughs> it was. But the goal was to catch on in North America, and it didn't happen. So this is a guy who, you know, they could really, you know, build around long term and they don't have to worry about it. Look, Okada still has not signed that piece of paper. I know people don't want to hear that, but they, he's got a five-year deal on the table and has not signed it. Now, why do you think that is? Okay, you think this guy's he's keeping his options open. Okay, but Sonata's a guy who, who they can build around long term. But I, I think if people are think it's going to happen overnight, now look, he's going to be in big matches like this at first because they want to establish him. But he's not even the top guy in his unit at this point. 
but this, but long term for sure, this was a this was a good acquisition, a good signing, and a guy that I think definitely has long term main event potential. Absolutely, I, I agree as well, and he, he's just a great worker as well. And it's been a little. I, I think what's going to be interesting with him and, and and how they play it is, I wonder because in the matches I've seen so far, he seemed a little reserved. It's not to say, and he's obviously not say a sonata. He's not. He doesn't like. If you if you didn't know of say Sonata, if you had no idea and you just jumped in, like you would almost not know that these are exactly the same guys. Like he hasn't really quite worked. He's got a different style right now with the in Gobernables, which is fine. I like that idea that he's sort of keeping stuff reserved, keeping it a little low key for now. I don't know what he's going to do in this match with Okada. That might be a, a sort of a breakout, but I kind of like the idea of him sort of you know learning this character learning this sort of making his own moves and then slowly but surely showing people hey i'm a pretty good worker and that's when then you make the whatever move whether he leaves the stable i mean we're getting ahead of ourselves here or whatever but i like this idea of him just sort of sticking to the basics here for a little bit building up a character you know building a reputation and then sort of slowly but surely showing what he can do because i think he's a super talented guy but yeah as we've seen so far he hasn't just come out there and said hey i'm gonna have these really you know spectacular matches every time out there he's he's playing his character right now which is fine i think it's good uh, to do a little bit of both Uh, as you sort of build up your rep. This will be his opportunity to have a great match because he's going to have a singles match with Okada here, semi-main event on the show. But you're right. It it, it would sort of be out of character for him to go out there and have flashy matches right now. He is doing some of his signature stuff. Um, You know, he hasn't, you know, he's still doing some of his his old signature moves, but he's added some new things to the playbook and he's he's working a little more methodically. And you're right, he's playing to the character. And I think he's, listen, He's acclimated to it very well and very quickly. I think he's doing a great job. I don't have any complaints with the way that, that the, the introduction I thought worked. I thought Gato's reaction to the introduction, which is now in, 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 in GIF history, uh, was tremendous. And um, and I think he's looked good in all the matches that I've seen. And I like the way they built this little Okada thing. He eliminated him from the elimination match in Cork and Hall. They've been, you know what I mean? So they've sort of built that up. He, he, he kind of, Listen, he had Okada beat on the 24th with the Dragon Sleeper. Until Okada's partner, he had him center of the ring, yeah. dead, with the Dragon Sleeper on, on the match on the 24th, and he eliminated him from the elimination match the day before, so they've sort of sort of built this idea that he kind of has Okada's number, and I really think they, 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 they've built up this idea that he can win this match, so this is... I got to tell you, on a loaded, loaded show, that might be the match I'm looking forward to the most. Yep, I agree. It is absolutely 100% the match I'm looking forward to the most. Because the main event, while, while I think it's going to be very good, it's going to, you know, has a chance to be a match of the year contender. This one, at least, um, what, not that I think it's going to be a, you know, a top tier, you know, five star potential match, but there's just so much at stake there. There's so much weird stuff going on there. There's so much. I just want to see what Sonata does. I want to see how he interacts with Okada. I want to see who wins. Because, I mean, there, there's, I mean, it's not out of the total realm of possibility that Sonata somehow finds a way to win. Whether it's by cheating or you know, what I mean, like there's some intrigue there. No, that, listen, yeah. I think the outcome's in doubt, and I think if they had any guts, Sonata would win yeah. this match. Mm-hmm. I'm with I you. I think Sonata should win this match. I don't think it would hurt Okada, and I think it would give Okada something to do for the next couple months. Let these guys feud. Because if he beats them, then yeah, then it's like, all right, well, <laughs> now you face, you know, who do you face now? Then yeah, what what from there? I mean, it, it'll help establish the guy, and I don't think it hurts Okada at all. You know, to get into a feud this guy. And, and, and you're right, the main event, while I think those guys have great chemistry, they've had great matches before, and they're going to have a great match again, the outcome is not in doubt. No, zero doubt. Yeah, so, this, and of this course, outcome's in doubt. Uh, that match, uh, WWGP uh, Heavyweight Championship, uh, Naito defending his title against Tomohiro Ishii. As we said, you know, they've had spectacular matches before. You know, some of those never open weight titles were among, you know, match of the years for, for a lot of people. I mean, they, they were right up there. I think I, I don't have the, the numbers in front of us, but I know in our countdown, uh, they ranked very highly uh, um, in, I think, 2013 and 14, I think. Or were they all 14? I, I, I don't recall. I think, well, no, actually, were they all 14? It was February 
Um, and then I forgot when that other one was, but I know they, they ranked very highly, whatever year they, yes. they were in. But yeah. there was a new beginning match they had. Yeah, yeah, I know that one for sure. The February one, I think they had another one at, at some point. Maybe it was all in 2014. But either way, it doesn't matter. They they've had great matches. They will have a great match here. It's going to be great. But yeah, Naito's going to win, and there's pretty much no doubt that that's going to happen. The intrigue will be if Ishii has a fear near falls, and maybe the crowd gets into it a little bit. But even then, I think there's going to be very uh, little doubt, even in the fans' mind, of who's going to win this match. It's Naito all the way. So. That hurts right. a little bit. I mean, it's going to be a great match. Don't get me wrong, but there's going to be that little, you know, there's less of an intrigue there. You're not going to be on the edge of your seat the entire time, unfortunately. No, and you're just going to watch that one hoping to see a great match. And look, sometimes it's fine. You know, it's, it's Naito just won the title. And look, Ishii's kind of like the perfect guy to have your first defense against, right? Because it's, it's you know it's going to be a good match, but it's, it's, it's a safe opponent in the sense where you can beat Ishii and that's okay. And, um, you know it's going to be a good match, and it, it, look, it, sometimes you—it's like you always talked about, Rich, like that first Okada title run where he was beating all, like your Kojima's of the world and your Makabe's, and those matches were fine because they helped establish Okada, right? Mm-hmm. And and you knew they were going to be good matches, and they were good matches, and it was okay that the outcome. This is sort of along those lines. All right, so that's uh, that's Dontaku. So uh, looking forward to that as well. We'll have a preview up on the website in the next few days that you can read. Um, and then, yeah, of course, we'll have a reviews and, and some little bit more coverage of it. Uh, most likely next week on the show, we'll do a nice little review. So, yeah, it looks like a fun card, though. I'm really, really looking forward to this. I think some of those matches, I mean, the main event, as I said, we're sort of poo-pooing the main event, but it's going to be really good. But, I mean, you look at those top five, top five matches, I mean, save for, you know, top six, honestly. You know, honestly, other than, you know, Evil Goto and, and the Grills of Destiny and... and uh, Great Bash Shield, there's really not, like, of the major matches, there's really not one that has the potential to be bad. I mean, of course, you got those two tag openers, but everything else after that is pretty good. Like, it's... it's. i tell you what, though, with Evil and Goto, we might be selling it short because Evil has been very impressive lately. He's been much better. He's, co- he's come around in the ring a lot. I think as he's found himself and learned... We talked about this when he first came back. He sort of learns how to work to the gimmick now, right? And he's sort of finding his... He's getting a feel for that... And, uh, and, and, and he's, he's really having like these hoss battles with guys like Goto and he, he's, his work has been a lot better. So if they do just play it straight and have a straight up match, I do think we might be selling that one short, but I think you're right. That one might be gimmick city. That mm-hmm. would be all kinds of craziness. And it makes sense when you got 10 matches and, and, and a lot of them are important. Yeah. You, you know, that one might be wrapped up yeah. in about seven minutes with a, with a sight to someone's, you know, face or something like that. But God only knows what's going to happen there. So. Uh, we'll get to, again, we're going to jump back to New Japan here in a little bit when we do uh, news and notes. We'll talk about Osprey, but, uh, we wanted to preview WWE Payback as well this Sunday. Hey, Rich, coming up. quick, yeah. before, you, before we do Payback, I, I looked it up, and that, that Lucha match I was just watching, yeah. um, that was actually, people should record this whole show, because this is actually that big show from 318, where the main event was, uh, Volador Jr. versus Negro Casas, hair versus hair, and it also had the, uh, Rush versus Maximo, hair versus hair which is actually the match that I'm watching right now. I have no idea if they're, sh- it's, if they're showing the entire show, but um, the match, if people want to look it up, it was Dragon Lee, Mascara Dorada, Mystico, and Valiente was the fourth man, and they faced uh, Fujin, Kamatachi, Okamura, and, and Raijin. I just watched that match. I can tell you, I'd go about four and a quarter on it. it wow, okay. Fucking spect- the, third, the, the third fall was, was, was madness. And I'm watching this Rush versus Maximo, Maximo match right now, and it's in the second fall. And I could tell you, if the third fall is great, which it probably will be considering who's in it, this is another four-star match. This is one great fucking TV show that I'm watching. So seriously, if you get this show, because I, I don't know what's coming up after this. It's got, let's see, it's only got about 40 minutes left. So hopefully they skip. 
the Atlantis Brazil de Plata Marco Corleone <laughs> versus Cybernetico Mr. Niebla and Ultimo Guerrero match, and hopefully they show the Volador Jr. Negro Casas match. If they show the Volador Jr. Negro Casas match with those three matches, which Meltzer gave three and three quarters, by the way, with those three matches, this is going to be one of the best you know, television shows of the year. I mean, what's going to be better than that? I mean, this is if that main event lives up and if they show it, but we'll see. As uh, Super Porky comes to <laughs> yeah, well, Maximo. so sorry. <laughs> so, uh, well, he's a second. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 so he because I think he's in that, that that random tag that you were talking about, right? He is. He's in the tag, the six man that it was next on the show, but I don't know if they're showing it. Uh, but he's he's uh, he's Maximo's second here, and Peroth, another awful wrestler, is Rush's second, and they've just been tossed from the match here in the second fall. But this is one hell of a. Yeah, I, remember, I remember the Cubs fan uh, previewing that because that was on iPay review, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I didn't. This I had no idea it was yes. going to end up on a TV show. That's pretty. It's, uh, it's on, I'm watching it on free TV right now. That's crazy. Pretty yeah. amazing. So I, I really recommend. I mean, this is well worth recording if you don't normally record this. You know, if you get the show. So um, because the the two matches I've seen and the opener actually uh, was really good. It had uh, it had Ray Comeda and Teton and uh, and Mephisto. So. This is a pretty good two hours of TV right here that I'm watching. All right, so we'll move on to WWE Payback, which is this Sunday. I'm uh, going, I'll be there live. Unfortunately, I know you'll be upset. I bought tickets before I knew what the card was, but they rewarded me with a pretty decent card, so I can't be too upset. Uh, we have not had a chance to talk about this. I've caught up a little bit with WWE, but what have, uh, what have you thought of the direction the past few weeks uh, with Raw and, and programming in general? I'm a I'm a sad boy right now as uh, Maximo Sexy loses his hair. Rich, it's a oh, very no. sad moment. You know he's one of my favorites. Um, as he gets his pink mohawk shaved off of his head. Oh, he looks so sad too. Oh, he's in tears. Rich. Well, I mean that that's a big that's a nice mohawk. It's a lot of work. That that's that's his livelihood. So I get it. He, he he's in tears, and that that rushes dastardly. Let me tell you. Uh, yeah, this is sad. I think that here's what's interesting about this. They've got two matches on this show that were built in other promotions, right? <laughs> because you've got, you've got. Now I think it's cool. Like as fans like us, we have an extra layer here, because we we truly look. I think they've done a great job showing the history of Kevin Owens and Sami. Yeah, Zane. finally, <laughs> thank God they finally did it. And and it's like you know, you know to be fair though. Going back to NXT and when Owens first turned on him, when Zayn won the title, they've always sort of alluded to their history. But I thought the video packages lately have been very good, and they've they've at least alluded to their history without going into you know specifics about matches that they've had in other promotions or whatnot. But it's kind of been a wink, wink, nod, nod sort of thing, and it's good for fans like us and the type of fans who are listening to this show because we have that extra layer to sink our teeth into. We know the back history. We know the feuds. And they, look, they might throw a few nods at us in this match. That wouldn't shock me at all. Um, you know, I'm talking about the wrestlers, of course. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Back spots, things of that nature. And they're always good about that, man. I, watching any Zayn, oh, Zayn in general, he does a great job of doing that, regardless of who he's in that feud with or whatever. He's always good about callbacks, and you know these guys are going to bring some stuff back. I mean, you're going to get you're going to get that tope over the top at the beginning of the match. You know what I mean? Like Zayn, Owens is going to be coming down to the ring, and Zayn's going to totally just flip onto him out to the outside and get that thing fired off right at the back because that's that's what they do. I mean, that's what Generico and Steen and and even Zayn and Owens did in one of the NXT matches, so I, I have no doubt that that's how that match is going to start. But we'll see. Yeah, it'll be fun to see what kind of what kind of little nuggets yeah. and callbacks 
they and put the in there. Great Fry, the Great Fry Takayama spot at the Royal Rumble when Zayn came in. Yeah. And, um, so, and, and then, you know, you have the AJ Styles-Roman Reigns match, which really, it's funny. Reigns is the champion, and this is sort of, you know, we just talked about Naito being established as champion and all that, and that should be what they're doing with Reigns at this time. This is all about AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. This, has, this match is like, Roman Reigns is just sort of like, the cat, not the, not even the catalyst. Sort of just like the, just, just the. I don't know. He's like the prop to just push forward the AJ Styles storyline with his old New Japan pals. I mean, this doesn't even really need to be Roman Reigns. You could have done this AJ Styles storyline in the mid card against Dolph Ziggler. You know what I mean? But it's like Reigns is an afterthought here. It's 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 totally bizarre. And again, they're totally playing off the idea. You know, when, when, when Anderson and Gallows first confronted Styles on Raw a couple weeks ago and Styles was sort of side-eyeing them, again, that was like a wink-wink, nod-nod to people who followed New Japan and knew that these guys jumped him and kicked him out of the company. You know, and then they sort of, you know, they hugged it out with him, but he's still sort of wary of them, and it's, we all know they're going to turn on him. And, and it's like, uh, you know, this was a feud that was cultivated in, a diff- in another company in New Japan. You got one feud that was cultivated in New Japan, and in the other match, it's a feud that, you know, was a, a Ring of Honor feud. And, and, and this is the main event and the semi-main event of a <laughs> WWE pay-per-view. So from that perspective, I think you've got yourself an interesting little uh, card that you're going to here. Absolutely. As unfortunately, as unfortunately, they're showing the shitty six-man match. Oh, no. On, on this show. So I don't think we're You might have to wait next week the, to uh, see the, uh, the main event. Because that main event's long, too, isn't it? You know. Uh, it only it says 17 minutes, but I'll tell you, this this match only says eight minutes, so maybe they could squeeze okay. the whole thing. Yeah, let me check. Maybe here. clip, maybe clip this <laughs> six man yeah, a little I got bit. A half yeah. hour left in the show. Okay, so, all right. Uh, and if you want to clip Mr. Niebla, I'm not going to complain. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Uh, cybernetico, I have no problem with that. So anyway, yeah. So what do you think of these two matches? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this card in general. Um, the Zayn Owens, of course. You know, me being me, <laughs> you know, that's this feud, and, and I'm fo- I followed them forever. I mean, that this goes back to Ring of Honor, like I said. So I haven't. Like you said, a, a fun little invested buy-in. And I think it's a great that they're doing it in front of this audience as well because knowing that Chicago is typically that sort of crowd where a lot of the people do sort of know what's going on or, or follow a lot of different wrestling, you know, a, a kind of a, quote, smart crowd or whatever. Perfect time to do this. Perfect way to build it up. And I think this is going to be super hot. I mean, people are going to know that there's a lot at stake here. They know these guys' history. They know who they are in, in some sense. So I just think, yeah, I, I'm really, really looking forward to that match. I think that's easily going to be the the, the the thing that I'm looking forward to the most. A lot of the other card, though, is, is pretty solid. And and Rain Styles, it'll be fun to see Styles, you, you know, live for the first time in person. I've, I've never seen him live um, uh, prior. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, like you said, the Reigns, the, the issue with that match, and, and I think everybody sort of knows this, is that it's a holding pattern until Anderson and Gallows come out one way or another, where they come out through the crowd, where they come out through the entrance. You're waiting for that. So everything is going to be sort of, you know, the match itself, you're not going to be on the edge of the seat. You don't really care about what's going to happen because you know that what's going to happen doesn't matter until Anderson and Gallows come out, and that's when okay, now we can now we can sort of wor- worry about this match. Now we can sort of focus on the spots and focus on what's going on because everything before that is just going to be a holding pattern until those dudes come out. Yeah, for sure. And then we'll see what happens. I mean, I think they're turning. On I them. do too. Yeah, I think that's a red herring. I think Styles is the red herring, and it, it worse. I, I don't know exactly what's going on with with whoever, but yeah, I think the long term is either like a battle or somebody else that they're sort of working with. But yeah, I think Styles is definitely the red herring in this situation where people are going, "Oh, they were in the Bullet Club together," but having Styles go heel now and join with them just seems really weird. I I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I, I think they are going to turn on him. 
Styles is Lex Luger and they're Tatanka, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. that's what's happening here. But I mean, nice reference. Th- also in Chicago, by the way. So there you go. Oh, wow. SummerSlam no, 94. Nice. SummerSlam 94, yeah. There you, there you go. I had no idea. But uh, do you think Finn Balor plays into this? I do. I do. Uh, I know that they've sort of... Finally time. I, I think so, yeah. And I think the, the, the house show title... So I know there's been some speculation. Oh, maybe they just did that to do that. Oh, they did it to you know prove that house shows can sometimes have things. I, I don't really buy that. I think... It seemed very rushed and very like like it was what two days prior I think or, or whatever on Raw where they were like oh you know that house show NXT Lowell Massachusetts like that'll be a big one you know they were doing a wink wink nudge nudge thing and it was like someone got to call down like hey let's let's change this title now like if it wasn't it wasn't something that they had planned for you know months ahead of time or weeks ahead of time even it seemed like something that was two days prior they said okay fuck it Joe get the title <laughs> I I don't know yeah I, oh my God. how is Super Porky alive. <laughs> Well, he's he's, he's very he's this, very fat, so that's he could barely like. I don't think words can express how bad he is. What would you estimate his weight is at this point? Well, he's only like four eleven or something. He's listed so. <laughs> this. I do not. I, I looked to his Wikipedia page. He is listed at five seven. Do you believe that for a second? Oh, there's not a fucking chance. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe seven. that at all. Um, he's probably like five <laughs> foot, but I mean. He's got to be well over 300 pounds at that height, which is crazy. You know, funny things happen on WrestleMania weekends. And <laughs> I was having a conversation with Rudy Boy Gonzalez. In Dallas, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know. So uh, these are the kinds of things that happen in Dallas. Um, and he was, he was telling a story of, he said it was about 1989, and he's working a trios match with. Uh, uh, you know the the Brazil with the with with uh, Super Porky and his brothers, and um, they he was on the heel side, and they were doing the beatdown, and Porky is having a heart attack during the match, and so they they like cart him out of there. So then it's like three on two, and they 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 go on with the match, and he says they they take the second fall or whatever. Uh, you know the heel side takes the second fall, and they don't know what to do because. You know, Porky was factoring into the finish of the third fall or whatever, so they're just kind of improvising and they're stalling. And uh, they don't know what's going on. They don't know if he's dead. You know, <laughs> all they know is he's gone. He's in the bat. They carted him off. And um, so they're working him out. And then, like, you know, out comes Porky out of nowhere, like, you know, jogging from the back, like, as much as he can jog. And uh, he comes back in the ring and, and, and cleans house and uh, and wins the match and he and he's the big hero, and uh, and 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 basically they asked they asked him what the hell happened after the match. He's like, yeah, you know, I saw the light. I had a heart attack. I saw the light. I thought I was ascending to heaven. And like you know, he, he who knows if he really had a heart attack or not. But and 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 his speculation is that it's possible. That he just played up the idea to get stretchered out so that he can come back the conquering hero in the match because who the hell knows with that guy. But the, the, the point of the story is in 1989, he was so grossly out of shape and, and <laughs> that he was having heart attacks and that he was possibly having heart attacks in the middle of matches. And here we are in 2016 and I'm watching him on my TV and he's still quote unquote rest. I, I can't call what he's doing wrestling right now. But he's still participating in pro wrestling he's 53 matches. Fifty-three years old, so that's uh, that's pretty impressive. It's like how, like, like, like in the eighties, he was having heart attacks in the ring, and he's he's in worse shape now, and he's in his fifties, and he's still in there doing it. I, 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 am seriously concerned for this man's well-being. But and he did MMA matches in between. <laughs> 
He did MMA matches like in the early 2000s. I mean, this guy has had some life. So, so yeah, I don't know. I, I again, I got I got sidetracked again. But yeah, um, a couple interesting matches at the top of this payback. Absolutely. Now, what about the What about the rest of the card, Rich? What, yeah, let's 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 break on? it down here. We'll do the zero to ten game, uh, and then we'll we'll move on to our news and notes here. But uh, pre match, uh, Kalisto defending his United States Heavyweight Championship against Ryback. What do you think about this guy? We've seen this a few times. Uh, the WrestleMania one wasn't very good, but I think these guys are capable of having something pretty good. But it's a pre match, so yeah, you know. I think at WrestleMania they were disappointed in their spot because they were the you know they wrestled at about two o'clock in the afternoon in front of five hundred fans. Yeah, I was in a car. I, I had no idea they were starting that early. <laughs> like I knew that this show was starting, but I didn't know like like we got in the car and I was like, yeah, we have like an hour until like you know the pre-show starts, and I turn on my phone and there they are. I'm like, oh okay, never mind. Like they're they're up now, so okay. There were ninety thousand people stuck outside of the building. <laughs> that too. And, oh, there was like three thousand people in the crowd while it was happening. Like, Five hundred people in the in the, in you know watching the match. Um, but yeah, so and and Ryback supposedly disgruntled with his spot and all that. I mean, you know, Ryback probably wins the title here, right? I mean, why not? You know, it's not like they have a ton of respect for that belt. Um, and and this feud has been going on forever. And why are you going to do another match if Callisto's just going to win again? You know, so I don't know. I think Ryback probably wins, but does it matter at the end of the day? That's why I'm looking at uh, one of the WWE pictures from that Ryback uh, Kalista match. I believe they did a little bit of photoshopping because it looks pretty packed there. Uh, but then I see a screenshot from the actual thing that somebody took, and yeah, you can see just a mountain of empty seats. Uh, but in WWE's picture, it looks like a full crowd, so that's uh, interesting. Well, you see, they hired me because I, I you remember, I removed people's yes. seats at a uh, Via your phone, yeah, via ago. your phone. <laughs> via my flip phone, I removed people from their seats at, uh, at a TNA show. Uh, it, it wasn't a flip phone, uh, but uh, it wasn't much better than a flip phone either at that time, though. But because uh, you know me, I refuse to get these upgrades. Yeah, right. But uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't really matter who wins the match. Really. No, yeah, it, it one, yeah, don't care. But it should be pretty fun. I, I'll, I'll go with about a five though, because it's you know they're the pre-show, so be in there live. Mr. Diablo <laughs> looks like he looks like Mitsuhara Masawa next to fucking Porky here. He really does. Like Niebla. Is a is Niebla literally this, wrestling circles around him. He yes, and he Niebla is coming off like a horrendous pro wrestler in this match. Super Porky is coming off like like your drunk uncle at a barbecue who needs to be helped to the car. Like <laughs> he just he can he literally can barely walk, and and it's like they're helping him just run. They're like helping him run the ropes and stuff. <laughs> like it, he's holding himself up on the outside of the ring, like Andre. The oh, Giant he's doing the Andre the style thing. So he's just lifting his legs sometimes. And like <laughs> it's really, really. I'm laughing about it, but I don't know how this man is alive. I really don't. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin. I know there's no good way to transition uh, away from Super Porky Death to Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler, but we'll try. Uh, I'm gonna go about a one here. I. I Oh, we didn't do what? Uh, okay, so I'm going um, back. That's the pre-show, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back here. So. Oh, okay, that's what we're doing. All right, so my number for the pre-show is like a like a like a four. Okay, that um, was I was about five. So so it's a pre-show match again, Callisto yep. and, and Ryback. Yep. Oh my god! All right, so <laughs> we we got Dolphin who here? Dolphin Baron Corbin. Oh yeah, so I don't really care about this. Um, I, I give it like a two. I, I gave it a one because it's not even going to be good either. So that doesn't certainly doesn't help. So yeah, that yeah. Uh, I feel like that match could probably go in the pre-show and be okay. But uh, it is what it is. All right, uh, this is for the number one contendership for the WWE Tag Team Championship. You got Enzo Mori and Colin Cassidy versus the Vaude Villains. What have you thought about both these teams uh, in the main roster so far? Okay, so I think they're both doing a really great job. I do too. I think that that Enzo and Cass are obviously super over. 
Um, you know, at least by 2016 standards, Enzo's killing it on the mic. I have casual friends going, Hey, where'd these guys come from? So that, that's how I can tell whenever casual, whenever my casual fan friends are asking me questions about a guy, I know that they're at least to some point over. Cause they, he, you know, he quartered me and was like, Hey, where did those guys, are they any good? Or he was just asking me like a barrage of questions about Enzo and Cass. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, why do you care? And like, I was like, okay, well, all right. Like that. He's like, no, they're awesome. And I was like, all right, they're not good. They're terrible in the ring, but yeah, but Enzo has been awesome. On I'll the tell mic, you, so. they've improved it. Their matches have gone from bad to okay. Yeah, uh, you know they're not they're not in there. You know they're not. Well, they're perfect know, for they're the main roster. Dang. They're perfect for the main roster. They're they're, they're a great sort of sub team for the main roster. Yeah, I mean they're not Dan Crawford and Doug Furness, but I mean you know they're, they're having a nice little they're having okay little matches in there. You know what I mean? And the Vaud Villains, okay, they sort of got shit on because they debuted them on SmackDown. They didn't explain who they were. We didn't know if they were going to be faces or heels when they debuted, and they ended up debuting as heels, which I think is the better role for them, which we talked Absolutely. about like a year ago. Uh, I love the way that they work as heels, particularly a Gotch. I think Gotch is awesome. Mm-hmm. I w- His I'm offense right with you. is so vicious, and it looks so snug, and it looks so stiff, and it fits. It, again, we talked about it with Evil and Sonata. They work to those characters when they're heels, and they really have a viciousness to their work. But the problem is they're not over. No one cares because no one knows who they are because they did nothing to introduce them, and they debuted them on SmackDown. Uh, So it's like they put them behind the eight ball. But as far as the bell to bell, I think they've been killing it. And Rich, as you know, I've never been big fans of this team. But I really – I I, listen, i got to be honest. I've turned the corner on them when they're heels. Their 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 work. I've gone out of my way to watch these SmackDown matches. Their matches have been good. Their work has been tight, and I think it, it it's it's good that in this tournament they pushed the two new teams to the finals. That's I thought I'm that was that that's did. really what I wanted to bring up is that they had a chance to you know stick to you know the gold gold dust and fan you know the the Usos were in that you know Axel and Slater they they had a real chance to bring one of those teams uh, and and you know even the Dudleys, Dudleys. To a, yeah to a point they could have had you know. Enzo and Cass versus, you know, the Usos or something. They could have easily just done that, or they could have done the Vaude Villains versus the Dudleys, but they went with both teams, and I think that's it's a great thing. I mean, we've seen that. They've been so weird with a lot of NXT talent um, in, in terms of how they build them up, when they're ready to go, what they're doing, and, and this has been good. They've kind of thrown these guys to the wolves in, in some ways, and they've they've responded well, and they've uh, I, I'm really into them as well. I think both teams have really acclimated themselves way better than I had any dream of them doing. You know, Enzo and Cass, I sort of thought would would fit in, but maybe people wouldn't quite get the catchphrase right away, or they wouldn't quite you know get them right away. But people got them right away, and and I think again, it's another thing we talk about. You know, the, people can talk about a bubble all they want, and and NXT, I wouldn't necessarily consider you know a, a, a outside of the 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 bubble, but I think you know, WWE was probably surprised a little bit, or Vince or whoever was probably surprised that that many people in their crowd were well aware of these guys already. You know what I mean? Like they don't they don't really promote NXT all that much on on main roster stuff, but people are finding it, and a lot of people are watching it. So that that I mean, and and that's testament them coming out and them being you know sort of so easily acclimated with that chant or whatever, or with, you know, Enzo's uh, mic work, I think speaks to that. And then it's also, it's very easy to sort of pick up as well. Like I got, I said, my casual friend, friend buddy, you know, he watched two of them, two matches or whatever, two entrances of them. And then he sort of got the idea of, okay, that's what they do with her entrance. And, and now he's got it, which is, is cool. I mean, that's, we always said that that was going to be a thing once they got to the main roster, that they, they have those tools to get over in front of the crowds. But yeah, the Vaude villains on the other end, I think they've been working well, but yeah, I mean, without any introduction, it's like, 
especially that act. You know what I mean? Like that act to just come out. It was like remember when that with the Ascension they did that. The Ascension just appeared, and it's like, well, what the fuck are these guys? Like, and of course, you know, the five villains are way better than the Ascension. But if you don't tell people why these guys are the way they are. It makes no sense. Like, why are the vaudevillains the way they are? Like, they've never explained that. There's never been anything addressed of why they're they're like what they are. You know, these nineteen, these old strong men. They just look like weirdos. You know. I just think that if they, it, it would have gone a long way just to do some vignettes and debut them on Raw instead of SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And then when they came out on Raw last week or whatever it was, people may have reacted a little bit better to them because they. I think a lot of the people who were there live at Raw legitimately had no clue who the fuck was coming out from behind the curtain because it's a lot of pe- there's a lot of people who just watch raw yeah. as you oh, know yeah. and 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 these were strict they, they were strictly a smackdown act to that point and people were like who the fuck are these guys coming out here to talk to enzo and cass you know so they really put them behind the eight ball and, and and it's a shame because i think their work has been good but i am looking forward to this and i have to put a number on it i tell you rich this may surprise you i'm gonna go seven ah, i was gonna go seven as well i was gonna surprise you with that seven no, i'm really looking forward to this just to see how the crowd reacts to them and just to see how their work is because yeah this is a big opportunity for both teams to really uh uh impress you know WWE and impress you know a, a huge audience as well on pay-per-view so it'll be interesting to see I uh, wanted to happen in there. Um, next match, women's championship, Charlotte. Uh, Wikipedia says with Ric Flair. We will see as far as that goes uh, versus Natalia with Bret Hart. So you got uh, the the redo of the NXT storyline there. You can honestly, if you want to add another of the uh, storylines that were built outside of WWE main roster and then sort of carried over, even though this one, of course, you know, had a little bit. But yeah, you got Charlotte versus Natalia. Uh, what do you think about this one um, with or without Flair and, and Hart being involved or? Yeah, I don't know what's Flair. going on going to happen with Flair. I mean, the police are saying he wasn't drunk, apparently, but he was just – look, he was obviously drunk. I mean, why else would he be causing a disturbance in the airport? You know what I mean? And they, they've got pictures of him in the bar um, uh, as Brian Alvarez, Valador scores fall number one here in the, in the hair versus hair match. He really does look like Brian Alvarez, actually. Uh, but but if, the, if Flair's not there, are they going to – I don't think he does. He kind of does. I think he's no, the one that doesn't. actually kind of does. More than the others. I mean, you know, like, he looks more uh, like Brian Alvarez. I suppose, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. I'm looking does. at it right now. No, he does I, not. I, I, he kind of looks like uh, no, Super does. Chico, I think. I think he does. Yeah, I think he does. Oh, boy. Um you know, but uh, you know, but yes, yeah, so if, 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 they, if they pull Flair from the show, do they then pull Hart? Because, you know, Hart's been talking shit. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Right anyway. So it's like, I, I mean, you know, what do they do? Um, but, uh, you know, it, it kind of, look, I think Flair ultimately probably ends up working the show. I mean, it, it didn't help that he wished death on Natalia on SmackDown either. So, um, well, that'll happen. Yeah. That, no, yeah, that'll that'll happen every so often. <laughs> well, don't give, <laughs> I mean, don't give Flair a mic. I mean, that, that. Well, that's the thing. Right. Well, this, but you know what, though? That's the thing. I said a couple weeks ago, if he's not going to cut promos, get rid of him because he just stands there and right. does nothing. But now, if you can't even trust him to cut promos, then yeah, just he's done. Get rid yeah, of, he's done. He really has no purpose. I mean, what do you need the guy for? So to look I like mean, spam and to bleed and to sweat a lot and shake and I, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's so worth it. You know, what I mean? and I remember having this conversation with you a few weeks ago. We've gotten to a point now where, like, imagine that in at any point in the last. 20 years saying, oh, my God, just get rid of Ric Flair. Like, I don't want Ric Flair on my TV. Imagine saying that. But we're saying that right now. It's like he serves no purpose, zero purpose. Like, how is it possible that Ric Flair serves no purpose? But that's it. I, I mean, it, 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 we're there. Really we are there. And it's just like, ugh, okay. I like eye roll when he comes out. I'm like, ugh, great, Flair. It's like, ugh. You know, you know, how is that possible that we're in this period point with him? But we are. I mean, 
for better or for worse. So, uh, yeah, what do you think about this match? I, I'm going I'm to go about a six. I think the work will be pretty solid, and I'm interested to see how the Flair uh, heart dynamic is. But, I mean, we've seen this match, and it, it was really good. But I think, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, on the main roster, uh, it, it, with the spot it has on this pay-per-view, I, I don't know. Um, I can't get too excited with it. So I'll say somewhere between a five and a six, probably a, uh, probably a six. I'll go five, and I mean, Charlotte should win, right? I mean, there's no reason to put the title on Natalia. Um, oh, no, no. But what's good here is we're actually analyzing what they should do with a women's title. When's the last time we really have done that? You know, it's kind of been like what we just did with the U.S. title. Like, ah, who fucking cares, you know? But in this case, I really do think it matters. Mm-hmm. I think Charlotte needs to win this match. All right, uh, Zayn and Owens, we talked a little bit about that, but what are your thoughts on uh, how the match goes down, and then what's your 0-10 uh, to 10 on that guy? Because I'm, I'm 10 out of 10, them. so... You're 10? Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. going 8. I'm going 8. I'm real excited for it. Um, you know, I think that that Owens should win. I think Zayn should lose most of his big matches. I mean, I think that's just... That's him. I mean, that, that he's so much better in that role. Yeah, and you should save his wins for, for, you know, the big culmination of things and then screw him immediately when he wins like they did in NXT. I think that's just what he is. Um, so, yeah, I think Owens will win, and I, I, and I, would, uh, I would give it an 8. All right, uh, Dean Ambrose, Chris Jericho. This has been an uh, interesting way to sort of develop a match, but it's, it's been kind of intriguing as it's gone on. I, I'm actually enjoying this more than I thought I would. Yeah, I mean, Jericho keeps getting these high-profile feuds and high-profile matches, and we're sort of seeing the deterioration of Chris Jericho's working ability right, right in front of our eyes. He's sort of working a different pace now. He's uh, he's reaching that age, Rich, mm-hmm. where it's hard to keep off the weight, you know. And uh, you know, it's he's uh, getting up there, and uh, you know, he was never the most athletic fella. He was always a little awkward athletically, even when he was younger and a little more spry. Um, so you know, look, the AJ Styles match at WrestleMania was okay, but it, but certainly underwhelming. Um, I don't know. Now, you know, Ambrose is sort of a guy who works a frenetic pace. This is sort of a clash of styles here. Um, I'm not super looking forward to it. I would throw a six or a seven on it. And I mean, I hope to God that Ambrose wins. <laughs> you would hope so. Yeah, that that uh, oof. I didn't, I, that possibility didn't even cross my mind. But yeah, I, I, I think Ambrose wins here. But yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd be stunned if, if Jericho won. But yeah, I'm going to go about a five. And it's only just because, like you said, that, that, and I think you addressed exactly what I was going to say is that Jericho is just not the worker. You know, I sort of see his name on a card now and I go, Ooh, nice. You know, I, I've, I've liked the build up to this and I think his character work is still good. And I think he's still very good at, at building these feuds, but we've gotten to the point now where, you know, the blow off matches or the big match of a feud, they're just not that good anymore. Cause he's, you know, he's 45. He's, as you said, he's a little chunky, you know, it, it's, he's just not, he's just not there as much as he was physically anymore. I think he's still mentally, Great, and I think he's still a, a good worker and can get a good match out of just about anybody. At least, a, a, at least to some level of an average, uh, you know, average to good. But like, great is not in Jericho's resume. Yeah, he'll get like, a three star match, right? Exactly. Four stars if you're Big Dave, right? <laughs> he does still love him some Jericho, but uh, yeah, but then we're at that point. Yeah, exactly. We're at that point now where it's like you're not going to get great out of him anymore, but it's okay. So I got to go five because um, you know I've liked the build, but yeah, the match itself will probably leave a little bit to be desired but uh intercontinental championship the miz the champion against cesaro i i sorry i I love cesaro but i i couldn't possibly care less about this match i mean i don't know look i'm not a miz hater 
I'm not either. I, you know me, I'm not. I, I actually like the guy, but I, I don't want him with the Intercontinental Championship. Like, and I think this is the sleeper match on the show from a match quality perspective. I think that uh, this this has a chance to be an excellent match. Um, but I don't know. It, it's sort of like, don't you wish Cesaro was working with someone else here at the same time, you know? So I'm going to put a six on it. And I think that um, it, it's a... I, I think The Miz is going to win, and I think that's going to annoy a lot of people, but I, I think The Miz is going to win the match. Let me think about that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think The Miz is going to win. I think they got something here with Miz yeah. and Maurice. Um, it's, a, it's a story and a character they love to tell, with The Miz being sort of the Hollywood guy, and Maurice being you know the, the, the bitchy Hollywood woman or whatever. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world that they're going to go with this act. For a long time, and Cesaro's still working his way back, and and we know what they think about Cesaro. Like everybody always gets disappointed by it every single time because they sort of throw you a carrot every so often with Cesaro, but they just don't think of him as that guy that people want him to think of it. You know what I mean? Like they, they like we have this idea that oh man, Cesaro's going to do this and Cesaro's going to do that, and you know they they don't like the Miz is a character they like. They don't really like Cesaro. Yeah, no, I I think the Miz wins. I absolutely do. But uh, as far as my rating here, I'm gonna go probably about probably a five because I think I think in ring it'll be okay. But yeah, I'm not as much into the Miz character um, as as some people are. It's fine, but I, I've kind of tired of him. And and I'm a, I'm not a Miz hater by any means. I actually like the guy, but yeah, it's just a weird and, and the Cesaro Miz combination just seems weird as well. But maybe they'll surprise us and and have a pretty good match. Um, and the main event, uh, we talked a little bit about. It. I don't know if we need to preview it again, but I guess we'll give our zero to ten. Uh, the World Heavyweight Championship, Roman Reigns, the champion, defending against AJ Styles. Um, I'm about a, eh, maybe a six on this. Like, it's really going to be really cool to see AJ Styles. Uh, it'll be cool to see him in this moment. I'm sure the crowd's going to go nuts for him and, and hate Reigns. It'll be fun to be in that crowd. But like I said, you know, at the top when we, we started this preview, is it, it's kind of fleeting because I'm just going to be sitting there waiting for Anderson and Gallows to come out and knowing that nothing before that's going to matter until those guys come out. So that hurts the main event in that sense. And it also hurts that I really have no doubt that Reigns wins this match as well. Uh, by you know maybe it's it's Anderson Gallows here turning on him maybe it's maybe it's Finn Balor I mean, maybe it's something where the Bullet Club forms and that, and that screw him I don't know what it is but yeah I, there's no doubt in who's going to win that and I'm just going to be kind of waiting for interference so that's that doesn't always bode well for a great man event even if it has AJ Styles in it I'm going eight I'm 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 interested in all the 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 fucking shit going on around it Reigns getting booed um, the Bullet Club stuff. I'm looking forward to it. So, um, n- n- you know, not for the match itself, just for all of the, right. you know, the, ex- you know, the, the, the experience of, of everything else that's, that's going to happen during the match. Um, you know, the match itself, like you said, you know, you're not, it's not like you're going to see a new champion. I think it'd be a huge mistake <laughs> to beat yes. Roman Reigns right now, obviously. So um, then they, they should not beat Roman Reigns right now. Um, so, but yeah, all this other, you know, um, satellite stuff that's going on I'm, I'm very curious and i'm very interested all right um anything else on payback before we move on to news and notes uh no okay yeah that's, uh, that's w payback so we'll have of course uh, by the time uh, most of you guys listen to this we'll have a preview up on the website and of course we'll have a group review and all that stuff and i'll uh, be tweeting live thoughts from the arena provided i can actually connect to, to the internet in that lovely uh, arena known as the all-state arena but you always uh, complain about that place yeah it's um it's a love hate relationship because the crowd there, when because it's so small and because it's kind of just this old school barn, like it's super loud in there, and it's so fun to watch wrestling in there. But like, there's like two doors to get into the place. The parking's atrocious. Like the last RAW I went to, I, I didn't get home until like. 
twelve thirty because I just sat in the parking lot for like two hours. Like you just don't move. It's just logistically it sucks, but it's it's so fun when you go there though. You know what I mean? Like and everyone and there's always those old school arenas that were like that. Like new arenas now are are, are they got it together, but you know this is it's 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 just, you know seventies arena and sixties or seventies arena. It's the Rosemont Horizon so with a little deal? bit of coat of paint on it. I mean that's it. Yes. Yeah, so why aren't they running United Center? What's the deal? Um, I believe uh, Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon uh, probably doesn't like unions all that much. I don't know for a oh, fact, okay, but okay. I would assume that if he went to the United Center in Chicago uh, proper, he would need a union to uh, like do his lights and do his electricity I... and do all this stuff. And I'm, I, I don't know, but I'm going to guess Vincent Kennedy McMahon is not too keen on those people. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know what? Listen, I, I'm sure. Listen, uh, look. I don't care. I don't Mr. like unions McMahon, either. So, I, Mr. McMahon is definitely not a union guy. Yeah. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, as a businessman, if I can run slightly outside the yep. city too and save all that money, I think I would do bingo. It too. Yeah, so and I mean, you you would make a little bit more money in terms of like selling a little bit more seats. But I think he likes the idea of and too. If you think about McMahon as well, like, I, and I totally get it from his standpoint is like, look, I have this traveling crew that comes here and sets all the shit up for me. Like Chicago's weird like that. Like you will have like they're gonna have guys that are gonna say, oh no, we need to plug this in for you or no we need to do this for you like the union like you know what i mean and vince is like no i have like we do our own fucking thing get out of the way but what you're referring to and i forgot about this is is chicago has laws where for entertainment shows yes the unions must be paid to to work those shows which a lot of the in the, the indie shows have problems too and run outside of the city limits correct uh yeah, pretty much. I mean, there are a few times where they'll do it, and I think they finagle it in, in ways. Um, I guess we could we could ask do it like certain people. Yeah, I think, or, but yeah, yeah, a majority of shows are not run in Chicago proper. They're run in Berwyn or Marinette Park or or, or wherever. Yeah, very rarely are they ran in like Chicago proper. Just to avoid all the hassles exactly. necessary. Like, I, I have buddies who do, like, music or whatever, and sometimes, depending on what venue they play at, like, there's times where they have to pay a guy, you know, to plug their amp in or whatever, and it's like, Jesus, totally dude, nice. we're going to make, like, ten bucks on this entire show. Like, it, yeah. it, before we paid you or whatever you have to pay to plug this thing in. So it's just like, yeah. It, this, so I believe that is the primary reason why Vince McMahon does not uh, run the United Center, but... Do you, you know the, the the Chicago has like that lucha scene? Like the like the, the, do those lucha shows run Chicago? Uh, sometimes probably? they run Chicago. They also run Cicero a lot, which is just outside of Chicago as well. Cicero's probably famous for if you're uh, into Al Capone and the the history of that, you yeah. know all about Cicero, and you know that uh, that has its own problems as well. <laughs> That's not necessarily unions, but another uh, confluence of people that require money to do certain things. So oh, yes. Oh. So <laughs> What kind of ethnic mob is running that town? <laughs> well, I I don't know if it's the same as it used to be, but yeah, I think it's. So it's not the Italians. Well, like it was in the twenties. Oh, it's still the Italians. Yeah, they huh? still kind of run it pretty well. But oh, okay, I thought maybe the. Uh... I thought maybe since the Lucha shows are there that maybe there were some Hispanic gangs. There's, it's very – yeah, I think it's a little bit of both as well. So I think that's what makes it yeah. a little bit more interesting to run in old Cicero is that it's it's kind of uh, – it's a little bit of both of those uh, at work. So yeah. Chicago, it could be anything. You yeah, could right. have the Latino gangs. You could have the black gangs. You could have the uh, – the, uh, apparently you still have Italian mobsters running Chicago. There are, yeah. They... So there's, a, there's a lot going on in Chicago in terms of uh, corruption and murder. <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, you know, yeah. the, the, the hidden murder. You know, one thing that's been – it's funny because in Chicago, you've got all the gang murder that everybody sweeps under the rug and ignores and everything. There's probably someone being murdered in Chicago as we speak uh, within a 10-mile radius of where you're sitting. <laughs> that's oh, not actually, true at all. No, you're I'm, not, not, you're not I'm Chicago, out in the suburbs right now. now. No, no, yeah. I'm, no. No, so, one's, no one's being murdered anywhere around here. But. Point being, you know what the big secret thing that they brush under the rug in College Station, Texas is? It's, it's uh, people getting killed – Getting hit by cars riding bikes. Hmm. Okay. Because 
all of the college students ride the bikes and all of like the uh, you know we've got a million like restaurants here and stuff and all the the restaurant workers you know they all ride bikes to work so there's just bikes everywhere in this little town and one of the dirty secrets is you know there's like 10 bike related deaths a year because these people on the bikes they don't look these people on the bikes don't look. They just they, – they dart out right in front of you. They fucking they, – they, they don't they, – they feel like they don't have to follow the traffic laws, so they're running red lights. They're getting killed on the bikes, and now it's all come in the light that it's been you know this sort of thing. That, see, that's a big difference between Chicago and College Station, Texas. Right now you got people getting killed gangland style in Chicago, and uh, in College Station there's somebody getting run over trying to ride their bike to class. So – uh, little different uh, cultures. <laughs> yes, going on but there. death everywhere. Yeah, they, death all around us. That's... But the, the, the death is the constant. The death <laughs> is the constant. There's just you know, it, you know, Rich. People die every day. Did you know that? True. That's true. And did you know that uh, every day you wake up, you're one. <laughs> you, you and death, man. You. Yeah, I'm telling. You, I'm fascinated. I'm scared to death of death. And you know, you know, I'm gonna, you know, Rich, you're gonna wake up tomorrow, one day closer yeah. to meeting the Reaper, and that doesn't freak you out. That freaks mm, me. Not really. Out. I, every every morning I wake up and I think, yep, that's one day less. <laughs> yeah, you one still watch wrestling. Less. Like, I feel like I wouldn't watch it's, wrestling if that was the case. Like, I wouldn't, like, watch, like, K-Dojo videos if I knew that. Like, you know? Oh, like, you wouldn't waste your time? Yeah, right. Like, like, I feel like, uh, no offense, but I feel like, you know, a lot of the wrestling viewing is... is... You know, I don't have a lot going on, Rich. It's it's you know, it, 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 the fact of the matter is, I really don't have watching a ton. Reds games for God's sake. So you're going to devote your entire summer to watching the Cincinnati Reds. Like haven't missed an, haven't missed like, an inning. Dear yet. God, haven't <laughs> missed an inning yet. Listen, I'm a, I'm a devoted fan. It doesn't matter that they're terrible. It, it, I, I I will not. Are they even fun this year? Though I feel like they're not even fun. Like they're just. Well, no, it's fun because it, they're it's the it, you know they're developing players, so that's interesting to watch, especially the pitchers. You know, they got a lot of good young pitchers. Uh, the bullpen's really the only problem. The lineup's not that bad either. So yeah. The bullpen's a okay. fucking dumpster right. fire. You know, uh, you know, it's who, who who can't enjoy watching Joey Votto bat for it. No, I agree. Yeah, you still got Votto there, and you got you got no, old Billy didn't. Billy trying to uh, steal first base, which is always yeah, going to be Billy an issue. Trying to steal first, and, you know, <laughs> Rossell Iglesias and Brandon Finnegan and Robert Stevenson. Well, yeah, you know, spot starts. Murders you know, row. So <laughs> no, you know, watching these young pitchers develop, and you know, it's, uh, lose a f- lose a few games by fifteen, but then it'll happen. So. A few and get no hit in the process. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you know, I didn't turn it off early. Every inning, Rich, I watch every. Yeah, inning. That's, that's... Uh, how how much? Okay, were you sneaking off to the bathroom at the wedding to catch White Sox innings? I was a little bit. Yeah, we we were able to. We they weren't on all that much because we weren't able to get them on TV. But yeah, I was able to. I have MLB TV, so I was able to because I, I realized, wait a minute, I'm not in Chicago. I can actually watch them on MLB TV now. So I, I usually just get MLB TV to watch uh, other games when the White Sox are bad. Uh, but they're actually pretty good this year. So I've been uh, I've been watching quite a lot of them. They're uh, a real fun team to watch. It's it's been it's been nice. It's been a long time since the White Sox were even remotely this good, and it's you know still pretty early in the year. But yeah, it's fun. Matt Latos, crafty little yeah, I I love the Latos. You know that I talked to you immediately when it happened. I was all on board with that signing because that's a guy you know only one real bad year. I was like, no, dude, I, I'm all aboard if a guy's only had like one bad year, one sort of thing, and and people talk about injury plague. Yeah, exactly. And if it's especially if it's a year where he goes, yeah, you know, I was hurt the whole damn year. You know, I was I was no good or whatever. Yeah, that made like yeah, and that's a guy who you know two years ago was was great. So yeah, I'm all aboard, and he's been awesome. Perfect guy for a one year rental too, because beyond a year. 
he starts to annoy everybody in the clubhouse. Yes. And hate his guts. So it's good. You get him. You know, he'll go. Uh, you know, he'll go seventeen and six and give you a two five ERA. And then you know, you wave goodbye at the end of the year when he when somebody signs him for uh, you know one hundred and ten million dollars over six years, and then they got to do. And that's unfortunately the problem with this White Sox team is like, I think like six of the guys are just total like asshats. Like they're great players, but like like within a year you're like, all right, like Brett Lowry, you could just tell he's like an absolute yeah. bro, and like you don't want that oh, guy. Yeah. And like yeah, Latos, everybody, Latos, everybody starts hating yeah. him at a point. Uh, Frazier's kind of outspoken. People like him. But I could see him sort of. Well, Frazier Frazier's a good guy. Yeah, you know, the, you, the fans are going to love him if they don't already. And and he's he's a good guy. The thing with Latos is, has his wife caused problems yet? Uh, well, I've not heard a thing about his wife yet. So. He's one of these guys whose wife causes problems. <laughs> it's not just him; it's his wife. Like his like if he has, you know, why she hasn't caused problems yet? Because he hasn't had a bad start yet. He's going to have a bad start, and then the derpy fans are going to tweet horrible things to her, and she has thin skin. And then she causes shit on Twitter, and then it's just, and then he says dumb things, defending. It's just it becomes a whole mess. So get ready for that. You're definitely going to deal with that at some point. But, uh, but yeah, it's perfect because you don't have to deal with him beyond this year. He'll be gone because he's obviously, you know, oh yeah, yeah, probably not going to resign him, you know, because he's going to want him, you know, hundred twenty million dollars or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, White Sox looking good. I think. Okay, if the White Sox beat the Cubs in the World Series, let's say the White Sox were to beat the Cubs in the World Series. You live there, okay? Yeah. You you know the tone. Where would that rank on like the <laughs> Bartman, Leon Dorham, uh, blowing the big lead to the Mets scale uh, for for Cubs for horrible things that happened to the Cubs? Yeah, that'd Could be. The Cubs fans deal with losing to the White Sox. To finally getting to the World Series and then losing to the White Sox. Um, see, I think in a way they'd almost deal with it. I think a little bit better because they always, uh, in a sense, they always sort of undermine the White Sox. They'll just kind of go, "Oh yeah, well you, you know you play in a terrible stadium," or "Oh you know nobody goes to your game." Like you know what I mean? Like they, I think they would take less. I think it hurts more when they just lose without the White Sox having anything to do with it. I really do. I think they would just sort of find some way to discredit that and go, oh, whatever, you know, you guys got lucky, or oh, you know, anything can happen in the playoffs. Like, I think that would, I think the Bartman one was definitely the worst. Um, but I don't know if it was this team though. That that's interesting though, that case because especially this team, it's been all built up on a yeah. sense. But the weird, the, the thing that's a little bit different about this Cubs team versus uh, years prior is. Um, like this one's been built for people sort of assume that this is built for a few years. You, you know what I mean? Like this isn't just like on a one and done thing where a lot of those other teams were like veteran heavy teams. Like those 2007, 2008 teams that made the playoffs were like, all right, we're going to sign all these guys. And we're going to win the world series these two years. This is more of like a sustainable thing. So they might sort of shrug it off and go, Oh, we'll be back, you know, sooner rather than later. And maybe they'll, they'll say that, but no, that would, uh, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be very interesting to see, uh, the reaction there, I, I I really don't know what would happen. This city would be just ablaze, though. Like people would not be able to handle it whatsoever. Let, let me ask you this: You're in the ALCS. Yep. You're up. You're, you're, you're the White Sox are up three games to one on Baltimore. Okay, and it's looking good. You got you're up three games to one, and sales going next, and you feel like you're going to win. The what the the Cubs are in the NLCS, and you know they're uh, they're two two with the Giants. Okay. As a White Sox fan, are you rooting for the Cubs to win that series? Uh, no, I don't want to. You don't want you don't want nothing to do with it. No, I just think the city the is just going to be annoying. Like people just get people get bad during like the Cubs Sox like summer series or whatever. Like like it, it sort of died down a little bit as more and more they've played uh, you know interleague games. But no, it gets like bad. Like there's fights in the crowds. People just argue all the time. Like people just cannot handle it. No, I'd rather face the Giants in the World Series to be honest. 
Okay. As fun as it would be, it would be no. It'd be like really, it would be a mess. Like people would. Is there fear? Is is there fear? What you'd have to deal with if you lost that too? Yeah, that'd be horrendous as well. Like you just don't want nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah. I I would I I would avoid that if possible. So let me so let me get this straight. So the downside to losing to the Cubs outweighs the upside of beating. I believe that is true. Yes. For you, at least. Yeah, for me, yeah. I, I think a lot of White Sox fans would, would agree. But, I mean, there's a lot of White Sox fans that really me, care about the Cubs. Favor. Yeah. Do me a favor. Yeah, I'm going to poll my Pose friends. Pose that to John on the next KMP Okay, show. all right. The way that I just framed it. The downside to losing to the Cubs, does that outweigh the upside of sticking it to them and beating all right, I'm, I'm going to post it on Facebook because that's where I got a little bit more of my White Sox fans friends. Right, so how do you want me to phrase right. this exactly? So... Uh, what's the best way to word that? Okay, um, so so the, both Chicago teams are in first place right now. So both uh, both Chicago baseball teams are uh, are doing well. Let's say the White Sox. Oh, I'm trying to think. Okay, so what? Uh, so see, that is hard. I don't know how to word it. I'll say the White Sox. Um, would you rather? Would you rather play the Cubs in the World Series, knowing there's a chance to lose to them? While also having a chance to you know to stick it to them and beat them again. But but the thing is, I don't know. It, 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 yeah, it's not it's not coming out the way that we just talked about it though. It's weird. It's hard to phrase that. Okay, I think I got it all. I got it all. Yeah. All right. All together. All right. We'll we'll see. I'll uh, I'll let you know what happens. I think you want no part of them. You just don't want to deal with it. No, I just think uh, just uh, just knowing the annoyance and the arguments that would happen, it would just be an entire it would just be a nightmare in this city. Like I, I would just not say I'm a White Sox fan for a little bit. Like I, I it, it people just can't handle themselves, especially in this city. People get very passionate about their sports. So uh, you're out there killing each other. So uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, <you> know. <laughs> and there's very much like a class war too between Cubs and White Sox, which makes it even worse as well. It's like you know, oh you you know. It, it, it's rich versus poor. It's you know minorities versus whites. It's it's just like the whole city would be ablaze if if it happened. It would be just completely awful. But kind of fun in the same sense. But I, I don't know. I, I I think I would rather avoid it altogether. Be sure to head over to VoicesOfWrestling.com this week for an all-new episode of Shake Them Ropes. Each week, Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins bring you Shake Them Ropes, talking all things WWE and NXT. Rob and Jeff will talk all the latest news coming out of WWE. If you're into nostalgia, every week Rob and Jeff discuss a new match on the WWE.com list of the top 100 matches to see on WWE Network. We run through the greatest matches in the history of pro wrestling, and you can share your thoughts on Twitter at ShakeThemRopes. In addition to our weekly episodes, after every WWE pay-per-view, we also go live on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling YouTube at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash YouTube, and you can follow along to a live video stream as Shake Them Ropes goes live after every WWE pay-per-view. So fans do not miss all new episodes of Shake Them Ropes. VoicesOfWrestling.com. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com. Speaking of avoiding, let's talk about wrestling. Got a few news and notes here before we uh, get out of here for the day, but uh, Flamita is leaving AAA. What, uh, what, what's the report, and what have you read, and what do you know? Okay, so this broke earlier today, and I talked about this on one of the shows that you weren't around for. Did you see the whole Octagon, Octagon Junior thing? I followed it a little bit, but maybe if you can sort of do a refresher, maybe for people that didn't listen. Sh- sure. Flamita was doing the Octagon Junior gimmick for AAA, okay? And Octagon took offense to that. 
Flamita was doing a appearance at a restaurant um, as Octagon Jr. on behalf of the Cara Lucha promotion, which had taken care of him before he signed with AAA. Octagon caught wind of it, knew that Octagon Jr. would be there alone and without advantage of that. He went there with a bunch of goons who, from what I understand, were armed, according to uh, our sources, and had somebody film it and cut a promo on him and snatched the mask right off of his head because he was angry that uh, you know this person was portraying Octagon Jr. without his approval. Even though AAA technically owns the trademark and the gimmick and they can do whatever they want with it. Uh, so anyway, that's the Cliff Notes version of the story. Then a couple days later, Octagon uh, miraculously said he had a son and, and he was giving him the Octagon Jr. gimmick. Um, no one believes that it's actually his son. Many believe that it's just some uh, indie worker that he is paying to uh, do his bidding. But now it doesn't matter because uh, the former Flamita has quit AAA and he wants nothing to do with the Octagon Jr. gimmick anymore. Uh, the, the reason being, well, I'll read you the report. This is from Lucha World. It says, written by Chris Zellner and Alfredo Esparza. So I don't know which guy in particular wrote this part of the report. Because there's other news here, but I'm just going to read you the Flamita bit. It says, uh, Flamita decided to give up the Octagon Jr. name and has also left AAA to return to the independence. In a Facebook post, he mentioned that he wanted to make a name of his own under the Flamita name. He mentioned he understood why Octagon was upset, but the matter has always been between Octagon and AAA and felt that he was the one thrown into the fire because of the issue. He wrote in the post he believes that he has the talent to make it as Flamita and will do so. Flamita thanked AAA for the work that they gave him, wished them well, and said he looks forward to being back in the Independence and Cara Lucha immediately announced Flamita as part of their second anniversary show in May. Okay, so, oh, and then Octagon tweeted out his thoughts on Flamita's news and made a comment that we are all human and commit errors and how it's best for Flamita to make a name on his own. Octagon didn't add any insincere apology in his comments. Okay, so basically, Rich, and, I, and, and you said you didn't listen to the show I did, but um, I talked to a bunch of people. I talked to someone who's friends with Flamita, and they said, look, he's a really nice guy. He's a religious guy. He doesn't want any trouble. He, he, he wanted really nothing to do with this, and you can see that this really got to him. This strikes me as a guy who wants nothing to do with this fucking drama and just said, you know what? I'm fucking out of here. I'm 20 years old. I got my whole career in front of me. I'm not dealing with this bullshit. I was doing just fine without AAA, and I, I'm just I, you know, that's how I'm reading into yeah, this. Yeah, no, I, I get that vibe as well. Um, so I mean, he just he seems like you know, and 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 it was even explained to me that Octagon knew full well what this guy's personality was like. Knew he wouldn't fight back. Knew he wouldn't argue. Knew he would be you know submissive in the situation, and and that's why he was able to act like a big shot, snatch the mask off his face, and grandstand and treat the poor kid like shit. And uh, I tell you what, I don't blame Flamita for just washing his hands of this and saying fuck this. I want nothing to do with this old fucking gangster fucking luchador and this bullshit between him and AAA, I don't need it. He, he probably realizes he can get booked anywhere he wants because he's fucking awesome and he's super talented. And uh, I don't know. I don't blame him here. I don't no, I don't either. What do you think? No, I, I don't blame him at all either. And, and we know that there, there's just a lot of shit going on with AAA in general uh, as well that I, I don't blame this guy because, yeah, like you said, he's a guy that can get booked anywhere he wants immediately. If he put his name out there and said, Hey, any, anybody who wants to book me, whether it be dragon gate, we know of course he's had a huge run in dragon gate and go 
probably go there anytime he wanted to or go any number of places, either in Mexico or even America as well. People are falling over themselves now, I'm sure, to call this guy and figure out what to do and, and book him. Yeah, he's going to have no problem getting work. And yeah, there's no need for him to be caught up in all this drama and, and all this stuff if, if that's really what's going on. And, and AAA in general, like like I said, is having plenty of issues on their own end. So I don't blame the guy. I, I think that's the best decision for him and the rest, uh, the best decision for the rest of his career uh, as well to move on and, and just sort of do his own thing. So what I'm interested in and, and, and I want to follow up on is to see if Octagon follows through with this Octagon Junior kid that he coerced into uh, – that he paid or coerced or whatever into doing the gimmick, if that's even necessary at this point now that apparently he's won this battle. And I want to see if AAA is stubborn and they give someone else the, the Octagon Junior gimmick now. But here's the thing. Who would want it and deal with it? <laughs> yeah, if that's, if that's what's going to happen, then I, I don't know. You know, you got this crazy fucking old drunk guy, you know, uh, coming after you and, and threatening you and, you know, with armed assassins at his side. I mean, who wants to fucking deal with this? Man, Lucha's nuts sometimes. But, uh, yeah, so that's what's going on with that. And, look, I think Flamita's going to be just fine. I mean, that guy's not going to struggle for bookings at all. So, All right. Uh, Will Ospreay, he is signed with New Japan. We uh, uh, PW Torch released this. Uh, earlier today, a little bit before we uh, went on uh, the air, but I said uh, PW Torch has learned that international star Will Ospreay has signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, uh, we knew that he was working on a handshake agreement uh, for the invasion attack, but the idea was always, and, and we sort of, people that we, that that are relatively close to him that, that gave us a little bit of information said that Ospreay was sort of, this was what he kind of wanted. You know, he was working the other deals and seeing what he could do and seeing what else was out there. But once this deal became a, a reality, this is what he really wanted. And, and, and we see that now with signing the deal. Uh, I don't know if we have any of the uh, details yet on, you know, years and all that sort of stuff. But either way, we know for at least for the next year, uh, Osprey is New Japan. And uh, that's going to be awesome. That I mean, now that they have their new little toy, they have him signed up, they have him ready to go. Uh, you know, he 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 absolutely acclimated himself amazingly well in Invasion Attack. And if you read anything, uh, Tanahashi, I think, in, in his podcast was raving about him. Kushida's raved about him. P- I, how do you not rave about this guy? He's just incredible. He's awesome. And, and now that they have him in the fold, know that they can do whatever they want with him. Uh, it'll be amazing to see what they do in the next year for him. I, I think uh, Kushida better hold that title tight because I don't know. Uh, that he's going to have it for for a whole whole lot longer, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this news, and I really think there's a lot they can do with him, and and it'll be great to see him on that platform, uh, performing at the top. I mean, it, it's just incredible for a guy that's 22 uh, how good he is already. And this officially strikes him from the Global Cruiserweight Series. Yes, uh, but but now this also obviously he's an absolute lock for I think for Super Juniors and the J Cup. So. Actually, I think that works to fans' advantage because instead of just doing like one of these tournaments, he's going to do two of them, right? I mean, isn't that better? Um, but um, yeah, so you know, last week on the show, I talked about Osprey and Ricochet, and my suggestions were if Ricochet could get into WWE, I think that would be the best fit for him, and I think he should sign with WWE. And my suggestion and to Will Osprey, and as you know, Rich, I'm sure both of those men are listening to this show <laughs> for, looking for my for advice. business and for career uh, and business advice from you. Yes. So. But uh, my advice to Will Ospreay was to sign with New Japan because I thought I, my, my reasoning there was at 22 years of age, um, you know, and, you know, he's still young. He's still learning. Uh, the best thing for him is to work abroad and continue to work all over the world and continue to make a name for himself. And from a uh, business perspective and from a financial perspective, Rich, I think that he can continue to build a name and maybe get, you know, if WWE is, is always going to be there. And right. he's so talented that he can make more of a name for himself and get a better deal five years from now. And he'll still only be 27 years old. 
You know what I mean? He'll still be in the prime of his career. And if he's a worldwide global superstar by then, he's looking at a much better deal than he can get today. If he goes today, he's getting 50 grand. You know what I mean? He's going to be split in an apartment with fucking with, – with the drifter. So it's like – you know, to me, I thought the best fit for him was to sign with New Japan, continue to build a name uh, as opposed to Ricochet who I think right now – you know, this is the time for Ricochet to go to WWE if he can get in. This is the best timing for him. So this, I think Osprey made the right move. And like you alluded to, we've had people talking to us about it. And it seems like this was more of a formality than anything else. It was all along, he kind of knew that this was going to be his destination. But um, actually, the, one, the way one person framed it, Rich, I think, was uh, you know he had people close to him saying, look, just wait a couple weeks. Don't sign immediately. Just see how everything plays out. Because that way, if somebody blows you away with another offer, you, know, you, can, you can take sure. it. But um, but yeah, this was ultimately going to be where he was going to land, and I really do think it was the best decision. He could keep working Europe too. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what else he, what the New Japan deal, if if it's exclusive, if he works. You know, yeah, it's it's not. I mean, we know he's going to work Europe in between tours, but it'll be yeah, interesting to see what else tours, he's able he's, to do. Yeah, I think he'll work everywhere. He's going to work the U.S. Indies. He he'll continue to work uh, in the in the Euro, in the growing European scene. You know, I, I look. If I really think this was the, the the wisest move for him, I think he'll he's his his star is only going to rise. So you know, why sign when your value isn't at its peak? Uh, you know, with the, so th- this was the better move in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think your point, uh, again, we've seen that bear out with, with guys like a Styles or whatever. I mean, St- the best thing Styles ever did was go to New Japan for two yes, years. Absolutely. And, you know, he was, hey, here's a shitty deal. Take it if you want, you know, do whatever. Or, you know, hey, I'm going to go here, make myself a star even more than I already was uh, for two years in New Japan. And then you guys are going to pay me a lot more money and you're going to give me a good spot right off the bat as opposed to the, you know, what was going to happen out- outside of TNA. So, yeah, it worked out perfectly for him. And I think a lot of other people see that. Uh, Osprey included is going like, hey, whatever his long term thing is, and and hey, if his long term thing is New Japan, that that's fun too. Or if it's you know just getting more indie dates around around the world, but yeah, I, I'm right with you. I think this is the best move for him because he can jump right in right now. Uh, he doesn't really need. I mean, the, he doesn't have to get acclimated to New Japan. I mean, he, he already did. He had this one match, and everyone said, "Wow, that was spectacular. You're awesome. Just keep doing that." So I mean, that I mean, from the standpoint of a 22 year old, that's what you want to do. You don't want to be sitting in developmental doing stuff. And that's not to say that you know there's there's bad side to that, but at this age right now and with his experience level it's going to work a lot better working with top guys in, in New Japan and still having that ability to work a bunch of different places uh, and just yeah just not being stuck you know working with the same sort of people you would do in developmental I mean we see even with Shinsuke Nakamura right now it's like alright well you know like him and the Drifter having like house show matches and it's like alright like what? it's even even when you put all the you know the business stuff aside that we've already discussed he's 22 years old I mean live your life first too yeah, exactly yeah you go know? Now, now you, you you get the globe hop, you get the 